Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Go by the bar. white trash, you prevalent weirdo. That's why. Officer White. What's your name? I'm here to help you. You're You're not because you're letting them walk away. What's going on? Sorry. You're letting them walk away. He was part of the crew. He was part of the crew. I'm not giving you my name until you do something. Until you do something. Good. Because he's a That's why. Because we know that You're going to jail. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. This is the 7th of October, year of our Lord, 2020. That is a great way to start this show, because this start show is hot fucking garbage. We're talking garbage. It's just garbage how horrible people are. On the left. And that lady's just losing her shit because... Normals that don't think like her are in her neighborhood. Who the fuck thought you could do that? I mean, we got Michelle Obama today saying that it's a peaceful protesters burning shit down and harassing people for flags. You're racist if you don't accept that shit. Just a fucking huge racist. Let me get a little narrative, but that's today's fucking usual shit. Violence and Trump's COVID, which has just shown they're upset he didn't die. That's what it's about. 
Fiery but peaceful Mike, before Trump supporters swarmed on the street of her neighborhood next to Walter Reed Hospital, the Bethesda resident had never met a Republican. Traumatized, she begged the police to stop the assault, but the police behaved as of the Republican had a right to be there. And simultaneously, Ben Smith, outlets assigned top reporters to update Trump's obituary. Peter Baker, New York Times. Mark Fisher, Washington Post. Mark Z. Barbaric at the Los Angeles Times. Now, this is normal fodder, but isn't it interesting who they assigned? Who, who do you think is going to do Obama's? It will be eloquent. They will weep. He will lie in state, and if you bring up anything negative like Benghazi, you will be an un-American racist piece of shit, if you could even say things by then. Because the theme today is, once again, Takeover of America. That's all this is about. It's not about the people. It's about power. And what the left wants to do is take over America. I've never done this to start a show. But last night, I watched a show that was my podcast pretty much from front to back. And it was Tucker Carlson. I'd already put a show together. And I was sitting there. About to go to bed, and I pushed play on the DVR, and I listened. And it was my show, pretty much. And I'm surprised he could say it on TV, the way Fox has been acting lately. And within it are three segments that I'm going to use today. Two as a bumper, one as a starter. Because the conduct that I have watched... Since our last podcast, which was, oh, what, four days ago? I use this word lightly. I don't say it a lot because it's very lefty. But these motherfuckers are un-American. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Donald Trump got the coronavirus last week. On Saturday, some of his aides suggested in background that he could die from it. The media happily seconded that diagnosis. Trump, they informed us, has a condition known as clinical obesity. Obesity? Whatever. It sounded significantly worse than cancer and far more unattractive. So for a time, it looked like curtains for Big Orange. And then, an amazing reversal. Trump strode out of the hospital, thumbs in the air, back from the grave, tweeting like a savage. Today, he was at his desk in the White House. New Yorker subscribers may never get over the shock of it all. To add to their pain and confusion and bewilderment, Donald Trump released this video last night. I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. Feeling really good, the president tweeted later. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge, end quote. Well, it was self-promotional, of course. But honestly, it's hard to think of a better or more positive message. Take Trump out of it. Yes, the coronavirus is obviously deadly. It's killed hundreds of thousands of people in this country, most of them old and sick. But the president himself is old, not to mention clinically obese, whatever that is. And yet he survived. He appears to be in a great mood as people who cheat death often are. 
Of course, he received great medical care. He's the president. But there was no magic involved in the treatment he received. Every drug Donald Trump took is available to the rest of us if and when we get sick. And that ought to give us hope. Trump survived, so can we. It doesn't mean we should ignore the coronavirus or behave recklessly, obviously, but it does suggest we don't have to live in a permanent state of terror. Don't let it dominate your life, Trump said. That's advice you'd give your own children. But for the people whose power derives from our fear, it was a threat. They need you to be afraid, perpetually. Otherwise, you won't obey them. So, of course, they were enraged by what Trump said. Watch. Of course, you should be afraid of COVID um, and how disrespectful that is. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it control your life. Yeah, you don't have to let it control your life, man, because you live in the White House. It is insulting to every American who wears a mask, who's been laid off as a result of COVID. Everyone should be afraid of COVID. Look what it has already done. I am flabbergasted by that. And honestly, I cannot stop thinking about it. Donald Trump is telling you, don't be afraid of the deadly coronavirus. No one on earth has done more to spread the coronavirus than Donald Trump. You following this? Encouraging hope in your country is now, quote, heartless. Staying cheerful is an insult to the rest of us. Our leaders have an obligation to confirm our most irrational fears. That's what compassion looks like. That's what they're telling us. It's deranged. But it's also recognizable. It reminds you of the many ghouls in Washington who forced our military to wage pointless wars around the Middle East. But when you point out how destructive all of that has been, they whip around and accuse you of insulting the memory of our soldiers. That is the thousands of unfortunate young Americans who have died in their pointless wars. How do you respond to an attack like that? It's almost too irrational to rebut. That's why they use it. And that's why they're using the same strategy here. They wreck our economy with lockdowns. They keep our children stunted and ignorant by shutting down their schools. They drive our entire country to the brink of madness with politically motivated hysteria. But if you dare to say a word about it, if you dare to complain in any way, you are the monster. In fact, you're a killer. Watch this blow-dried cable news wonder lose control of himself because somebody in the CNN control room played video of Donald Trump taking off his mask. And the president, in that Sunset Boulevard gesture, whipped his mask off in front of the American people on the nightly news last night. So, as a doctor whose job it is, you know, take it off. Please, don't even put it on the screen. Please take it off because that's going to kill people. Take it off. Don't even put it on the screen. He whipped his mask off in front of the American people. He dropped his mask. It's like pornography. Actually, it's worse than pornography. Pornography is fine. That's on Twitter. Pornographers are loyal donors to the Democratic Party. They're virtuous. This is a deeper crime than that. Taking your mask off effectively is questioning corona theology. And anyone who does that has committed an act of spiritual obscenity. Watch MSNBC warn its viewers to hide their children before they play video of Donald Trump talking about the virus. It is a video of a very sick man with very sick ideas. I'm going to show you another deeply perverse statement that Donald Trump made tonight on that video, and I will let him say it in his own words, with his own voice. You will hear that. But with the appropriate warning, viewers should know that what you're about to hear is utterly insane and dangerous. 
utterly insane and dangerous. Ooh, that's spine tingling. If Kim Jong-il somehow mated with Dracula, their demonic spawn, the leering, blood-serping incubus they created, would still be less awful, less harmful to this nation than a video of Donald Trump assuring you that everything is going to be okay in the end. According to MSNBC, that's how bad it was. Okay. So this is what peak hysteria must look like. Cable news can't possibly get more overheated than that, you must be thinking. Oh, no. No, yes, it can. And CNN tried hard last night to top it. Now, unfortunately, they're at something of a disadvantage. Our anchors aren't quite as articulate as the guys from MSNBC. The anchor you just saw went to Harvard. The CNN anchor had to settle for Yale and only because his dad was the governor. So he doesn't have quite as many words to choose from when he wants to express his total outrage. Instead, he works blue, and the naughty language lets you know just how mad he is. There he is, hair blown majestically, reshooting the scene for his own ad. I hold rallies, and I tell you to ignore masks, and I rip mine off as I vanquish the virus because I am a leader. Fear not, COVID. What a bunch of bull****. Whoa! naughty. That word wasn't in the prompter or anything. It just came out totally unscripted. Once Chris Cuomo saw Donald Trump outdoors without a mask, he just lost it. He honestly couldn't believe a president would do something that obscene. Infected with COVID, yet breathing the very air that circulates in our common atmosphere. And in the process, killing millions. Standing on the White House balcony, Trump was a human bioweapon, a WMD. It was immoral. And Chris Cuomo would know precisely how immoral it was because he has done it himself. This spring, Chris Cuomo got COVID. You may have noticed they did like 27 shows in a row about it. Cuomo told us he was quarantined in his basement, but let's be honest, there are only so many squats you can do in the mirror. It got boring after a while. So Chris Cuomo secretly left his house, took off his mask, oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, and wandered around the Hamptons. While wandering, he promptly ran into this man who wondered what the hell Chris Cuomo was doing and asked him so. And here's what happened next. And I just said, don't you have the coronavirus? Shouldn't you be quarantined? And um, I think his next words were, uh, what the hell do you know about this? What do you know about the rules? I said, you're not supposed to be out here. Nobody had gloves on. Nobody had masks on. Okay. So it turns out Chris Cuomo doesn't think he should have to wear a mask outside. Now, this is the point in the show where we wax outrage. He works on a rival network. We just can't believe he did that. We hate Chris Cuomo because he didn't wear a mask. But we're not going to tell you that. We're going to tell you the truth. It's fine that Chris Cuomo didn't wear a mask outside. We're not judging him. Masks are great. They have their place. Surgeons wear masks in operating rooms. People wear masks in elevators and crowded stores. And good for them. It probably helps. We've been arguing that for six months before the Surgeon General himself recommended masks. We thought, why would masks be a bad idea? So we're not against masks. We never will be. But wearing a mask while you ride your bike, while you jog, when you're alone in your car, while you're walking in the woods, when you're standing on the beach, that's just insane. That's an insult to science. It's an insult to common sense. 
Rules like that make people cynical. When you force them to do unreasonable things, they will never believe you again. Rules like that help no one, and yet they're ubiquitous. In many Democratic-controlled jurisdictions, masks are required outside. It's the law. You have no choice. Rules like that are not about public health. Rules like that are a form of obedience training. They're trying to see what they can make you do. They can make you do a lot, it turns out. Most of the time, we do what they tell us. We don't say anything. Partly because people like Chris Cuomo harangue us if we disobey the rules. Chris Cuomo calls us immoral for doubting the rules. And then, in private, he whips off his mask the second he can. Here are pictures of Chris Cuomo this weekend, standing at a restaurant in Long Island, cigar in his hand, but no mask. Again, we don't judge Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo judges us. And that's the point. Nancy Pelosi judges us, too. Watch Pelosi tell you that you've got no choice but to wear a mask at all times. Members and staff will be required to wear masks at all times. This is a mask from all over the country. I'm getting these masks. Real men wear masks, and these masks are essentially important. The chair views the failure to wear a mask as a serious breach of decorum. Uh, but in any case, uh, I'm a big believer in wearing the mask and not sharing any, shall we say, air uh, unnecessarily. Real men wear masks. So you're a wuss if you don't wear a mask. Wait a second, Nancy Pelosi. Define man for us, if you would. I thought you didn't believe in gender. You didn't believe in fixed sex, but you're not a real man if you don't wear a mask. What are you even saying? She's not saying anything. She's just judging you. And she's lying as she does it. We already played you the tape of Pelosi mocking her own command, slinking around a hair salon in San Francisco with no mask. That was fine with us, by the way, but not with her. We also showed you Senator Dianne Feinstein of San Francisco hanging around a private air terminal, an FBO, without a mask after she called for a law requiring you and all commercial airline passengers to wear masks. So these people are hypocrites, obviously. But it's worse than that. They're self-righteous. Hypocrisy and self-righteousness are twins. They go together. One feeds the other. But both are poisonous habits of mind. As soon as you begin to take yourself seriously, Thomas Merton once wrote, and imagine that your virtues are important because they are yours, you become the prisoner of your own vanity. That is true. But they're not the only prisoners. Suddenly, all of us are prisoners of their vanity. This summer, the vapid governor of California made a propaganda video informing his citizens of our biggest state that if they don't wear masks at all times, whether those masks help anyone or not, they're bad people. Here's part of it. For the sweaty faces and the hidden smiles, the foggy glasses and the sore ears, the determined looks and the muffled laughs, a simple piece of fabric makes a big statement. I care. Let's all do our part to slow the spread. Wear a mask. What happened to all the watchdogs who are supposed to be protecting us from state media and government propaganda? Oh, they're all nodding in assent. A simple piece of fabric makes a big statement, I care. 
But what if it doesn't help anyone? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Has there ever been shallower virtue signaling? Underneath all of this is cruelty, by the way, and judgment of you. The Democrats who hold every statewide office in California understand that for totalitarians to operate a society, they need people to cooperate. So the more people turn on each other and snitch and micromanage one another's lives, the easier their job of control will be. People without loyalty to each other are easy to command. That's the point. And with that in mind, the official Twitter account of the Office of California Gavin Newsom has taken to dictating how people chew their food. This is how we're responding to the pandemic, managing how people chew their food. On Saturday, Newsom's Twitter feed told us this, quote, going out to eat with members of your household this weekend? Don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. Do your part to keep those around you healthy, end quote. What are the odds that Gavin Newsom, alone in his gated estate, keeps his mask on between bites? Now, we're not bookies, but we'll tell you, roughly speaking, the odds are zero. He doesn't do that, but he judges you if you don't. And Newsom didn't stop there. The state of California wants you to know that seeing your friends is out of the question. Human contact itself is dangerous. Quote, a solo bike ride with a mask is a safer alternative to playing basketball with your friends. That's what Newsom's office wrote last month. And there are many more messages like this. If you want to wreck your afternoon, read them. Orwellian doesn't begin to describe it. There's too much. There's so much that Maxine Waters, the congresswoman from California, can't even keep up. She's decided to ignore the commands completely. Back in July, you may remember, Waters was all for masks. In fact, she told us that Herman Cain deserved to die from coronavirus because he didn't wear a mask at a Trump rally. Herman Cain was a bad person, Maxine declared. He had it coming. I'm going to send my condolences to the family of Herman Cain, who was a presidential candidate, who is a good friend of the president, who happened to have been at the rally in Tulsa June 20th with no mask on, with a group of people around him with no mask on, and he's dead. He died. He, of course, contacted the virus uh, as a result of his attendance and without a mask there. Oh, he didn't wear a mask and he died. He deserved it. I mean, that's what you get when you don't wear a mask. You die. And no one mourns your passing because you're a bad person. So it goes without saying that Maxine Waters takes, takes masks seriously. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course she doesn't. And today we proved it. We talked to a man called Jason Giandomenico. He told us he saw Maxine Waters recently. And guess what she wasn't wearing? <laughs> I think you know the answer. She wasn't wearing a mask. So he confronted her. It's all in video. Here's part of that video. And you're speaking about COVID. I don't even see you guys with your mask on. I see your I'm just age coming mask out on. of here. But I don't. And my mask in both of these places. But you got to have your mask on, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We got we got our mask. Yeah, that's right. I don't have my mask on. Not a big deal. It's not like I'm Herman Cain or something. We're not thinking through the message behind all of this or its consequences. Democrats are framing total and unthinking obedience to their policies, which are haphazard, irrational, and not rooted in science. They're framing obedience to these things as a matter of morality. And the media is totally fine with that. They don't even care when the people who make the rules ignore them. Only the rest of us are evil when we disobey. How about the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam? Ralph Northam loves masks. 
Ralph Northam has been wearing masks long before they were fashionable. 30 years ago, when almost nobody thought to wear a face covering, Ralph Northam was concerned enough about public health that he put on a hood. That's how concerned he was. Of course, he's a doctor, a man of science. A mere mask isn't enough. He wore a hood with little eyes cut out of it. As governor, Northam made it a crime in the Commonwealth of Virginia not to wear a mask. In May, Northam demanded that everyone wear a face covering in public. And wear a face covering in public. We know that when most people wear masks, that goes a long way toward reducing the spread of the disease. As I have said before, wearing a mask could literally save someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Caught wearing a Klan hood. You gotta say he leaned into it though. Now everyone has to. Amazingly, or maybe it's not so amazing, a day after saying that, Northam appeared in public in Virginia Beach, Virginia with, guess what, no mask. Guess what the media said? Virtually nothing. No one said Ralph Northam had it coming when, in the end, he got the coronavirus. Apparently, <laughs> he wasn't a good enough person to avoid the disease. That's really the message. So he's sick now, just like Donald Trump. That's how it works, right? This is a medieval standard that we're suddenly applying. This isn't science. This is medieval superstition. It was very common. 600 years ago. In the Middle Ages, ordinary criminals underwent what was called a trial by ordeal. They didn't sit before a jury, no. The accused were forced to plunge their hands into boiling water or walk barefoot across glowing metal, hot plowshares, or they had molten lead poured on their chests. Why? To find out whether they did it or not. If they died after being tortured, they were guilty. If they survived the torture, they were innocent. For hundreds of years, this was the standard in Europe. Health equaled virtue. Illness equaled sin. All of a sudden, we're returning to that standard. He's sick, therefore he's bad. Where's this going? How long before we start lecturing cancer patients for their tumors? How long before we start blaming people with Alzheimer's for their dementia? That could be coming sooner than we think. At MSNBC, one anchor was enraged when someone suggested the left hasn't been consistent on masks. He wrote this, quote, the most humane and reasonable way to deal with all these people, if we survive this, is some kind of truth and reconciliation commission. Huh? Sounds like a joke, but it wasn't. Thousands of people liked that post. A truth and reconciliation commission, if we survive COVID, for the deniers. They'll get what they deserve. It's an inquisition. That's what they're calling for. As with any inquisition, the goal isn't truth or justice, needless to say, it's power. Put on your mask in between bites as you sit alone at the dinner table and there won't be any problems. Otherwise, there will be. Now, once again, I have to use the frame of reference. Would you be able to do that with Mr. Obama? I highly doubt it. There were so many train wrecks from him going there, him having his doc. I can't even cover all the angles. The doctors are lying. We have people in here saying fucking Walter Reed's tattered and has no reputation. He took a drive. He went back. He took his mask off when he went back by himself on a balcony. Tucker hits the point I really want to hit today, which I know loses its steam when you have Tucker Carlson doing it. But my friends, I truly believe this is your socialist starter kit. 
You put all this stuff out and you get people ready to be told, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to act. And the worst part is our media is part of it. Uh, Drew Holden, Ruben just going full meltdown right now. Happy Sunday. These are four of her tweets. Maybe his getting all these meds has to do with his mystery visit to Walter Reed, which we know nothing about. He's in the hospital for COVID and wants to infect the supporters. Critical on Pence. He was at the event surrounded by people who treated positive, but he's not self-isolating. He was sitting directly in front of Mike Lee. Trump's hospitalization has been far harder on Ruben's mental health than it has been for Trump, his family, or even his supporters. Trump is on his way back to the White House, and honestly, I think Ruben needs a wellness check. Trump puts in danger the Secret Service driver and anyone else helping to get him in the car. This is outlandish. Any doctor approves this or doesn't threaten to quit and go public if he interacts with the public and the condition should be stripped of his medical license. What doctor allows this when Trump can affect the Secret Service personnel? Is Trump wearing a mask? Everyone should be horrified. Told you, Trump's willing to kill people to assuade his ego. Then she went on the 25th, because they really wanted the 25th. Because maybe they can talk about that instead of impeachment, which they don't talk about. I would suggest COVID have already impaired his judgment, so he gives risk to others. 25th Amendment, anyone? That's a journalist. But New York Times gloats. Trump's COVID diagnosis confirms Dems criticism. He has already earned a ruinous verdict for many Americans on his role in addressing disease. On every subsidiary debate arises the pandemic, on questioning of reopening businesses, schools, and implementing mask mandates and social distancing, even on hastening the delivery of vaccine, polls have found Mr. Trump on the wrong end of public opinion, sometimes by gaping margins. Of course, they omit the fact that there's been 100% negative coverage of everything he's done without zero coverage of the Democrats who didn't even want to stop travel from China. Who all went to fucking China Fair 2020. Let's go get COVID. Woohoo! Fucking clowns. Yahoo! And these were the ones that I loved the best. He sent pictures of working. The first one I saw is that he has a blank piece of paper. That's what the left was saying. Then Yahoo News. Now, we didn't find out about Fast and Furious. We didn't find about anything about ACA. We were told we'd find out about the ACA when we passed the ACA. We knew nothing about Benghazi. We didn't even know where Obama was. We didn't know what Hillary was doing. We didn't know shit during Benghazi. We absolutely know nothing about the IRS. And nobody involved in the IRS scandal suffered any consequences. None. But Yahoo News, they were cracking on this. While multiple photos were released showing Trump in different locations and with different clothes, the metadata shows they were taken 10 minutes apart, implying they may have been staged to create an impression of a full day of presidential business. Caffeine Queen, they're completely unhinged now. We're really reaching for the bottom of the barrel, aren't we? He filmed the video sitting at a round table, most likely because of the video camera. They took several snaps. He moved to the conference room, moved his jacket. They took some snaps. Big fucking deal. You guys know he has COVID, right? Maybe he just took his jacket off or just put it on. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. But not for these crime fighters. Oh, hell no. These crime fighters are in. They're just in this, man. 
Everything's a lie. Andrew Feinberg, big scoop on pics of Trump working just makes him look desperately insane. Andrew Feinberg, it wasn't just Yahoo, knew the White House released these photos which purport to show Royal Donald Trump at work at Walter Reed National Medical Center. Zoom, it appears to be signing his name to a blank sheet of paper. Here's what appears to be the same blank sheet of paper and a screen grab from the video released by the White House earlier. Jody, you guys are freaking out. He was far worse than doctor's reporter, so he shows, look, I'm doing well, even working. Who cares if it was a prop for the photo? Do you think he isn't actually working? And if you were in the hospital with COVID, what would you be doing, dick? Another tweeter. A president used props for photo ops. This has never happened before. Has Speaker Speaker Pelosi convened another impeachment farce? I'm personally nominating you for a Pulitzer for this amazing journalism, and it shows Obama surrounded by people in white coats. We did that a lot during Obama. A lot. It is what we did. NBC News reporter tweets video showing total circus of Trump well-wishers outside the hospital. Josh Letterman. Or Lederman. Who gives a fuck? The scene outside Walter Reed has turned into a total circus. This is a circus, my friends. People honking. Maybe 30 people outside. Ariel Davidson sums up my theory on this. Trump supporters, total circus. Rioters burning and looting, looting mostly peaceful social justice seekers. <laughs> and she's a normal. That, that's not a political person. Tim Young. Joss has never referred to a BLM protest or a riot as a circuit but chose that wording here to describe Trump supporters. I'm sure that has nothing to do with his bias or hatred of the president. Circus equals flags and smiles and cars honking. That's a circus. Because once again, they can't let that happen. That's the whole point of infecting him with COVID. He can't be with his supporters. No. That would be fucking wrong. You fucking Toads. Ah. Then we have Vanity Fair. There's so much fear in his eyes. Gabriel Sherman, sources, Trump had heart palpitations on Friday, a possible negative side effect of Regeneron antibody treatment. His fever reached 103, and a G7 ally wondered if he'd appoint Ivanka president instead of Pence. My latest! The White House history of lying makes it difficult to assess the truth of Trump's condition. But sources, in quotes, just like the ones for Russia, have told Vanity Fair correspondent that Trump had heart palpitations Friday. And as a twitchy just reported, Trump just tweeted a video recorded at Walter Reed Medical Center. And to us, he looked great. But Sherman watched the video twice and saw so much fear. Just watch Trump's hospital video a second time. His breathing is clearly labeled. He seems to be leaning on table for support. And there's so much fear in his eyes. Friendly reminder that Gabe Sherman is made fun of by even lib White House reporters for being completely full of shit. And he constantly makes up White House sources. He knows nothing about Trump White House and puts out whatever get resistance clicks. Because... Let's be honest, this entire presidency, this entire presidency has been about sources. 
And almost every time we have a source with a smoking gun, what do we find? It's all bullshit. All of it. I mean, this media didn't cover anything about the Russia scandal. Nothing. Nothing. Here is Sean Davis. Well, we've learned a lot about Kamala Harris recently. We're also learning more about what the Obama administration and Joe Biden knew about the Russia collusion hoax that dominated really the president's first term and our media for three years. Former CIA director John Brennan's handwritten notes were declassified today. Pretty remarkable that he wrote down what he did. We'll tell you what he wrote down after the break. Our intelligence community just came out and said in the last few days that the Kremlin, meaning Putin and the Russian government, are directing the attacks, the hacking on American accounts to influence our election. We have never in the history of our country been in a situation where an adversary, a foreign power, is working so hard to influence the outcome of the election. And believe me, they're not doing it to get me elected. Uh Uh-huh. That was Hillary Clinton in 2016. They've never stopped talking like that. Russia! They're undermining our democracy as China takes over the world. Back then, it was part of Hillary's strategy to smear Donald Trump as a Russian agent. And of course, as you well know, it worked. Today, we learned much more about how American intelligence officials knew about the plan at the time and participated in it to some extent. The director of national intelligence now, John Ratcliffe, has declassified handwritten notes from former CIA director John Brennan, who was a leftist and a partisan. The notes discuss intelligence that Hillary Clinton had approved a proposal from, quote, one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by the Russian security service. Just a few minutes ago on Twitter, the president tweeted that he has, quote, authorized the total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the Russia hoax. Why didn't he do that two years ago? But he's doing it now. And what will we learn about what Joe Biden knew about all of this? Sean Davis is the co-founder of The Federalist. We're happy to have him on tonight to untangle this web. Sean, thanks a lot for coming on. So what have we learned in this new tranche of documents? Right. So we learned that the knowledge uh, of what Hillary's campaign was doing went to the highest levels of the U.S. government. It wasn't just at the FBI. The CIA knew it. The CIA director knew it. The president of the United States was briefed on it in the Oval Office, and the Russians knew it. And that's important because as the FBI was pretending to uh, look into whether Trump was colluding with the Russians, our own intelligence services knew that Russia was aware of Clinton's plans and therefore able and possibly likely uh, to start injecting disinformation of their own into her entire process, which is what actually happened. I mean, it seems like if our intel agencies knew this and then sat and passively, in some cases, actively participated in this endless hoax for three years, then, I mean, they were undermining democracy and they should be punished for that. And none of them have been. They haven't even been unmasked. I mean, what the hell? 
You're exactly right. I mean, this wasn't just some sort of like silly game that had no real consequences or implications. Uh, these people use this to cast doubt on our elections. You know, they talk about the integrity of our democracy. They were the ones crapping all over it. And they, after uh, Trump was inaugurated, they went and hijacked the presidency. They tried to cripple it. They put in this completely bogus special counsel based on false pretenses to cripple the administration heading right into the 2018 election. And the problem is that if, if nobody is made to pay for this, if nobody goes to prison, it's going to happen again. And when it happens again, because these people are going to be completely emboldened by the lack of accountability, it will be far worse, even though that may be hard to imagine. Exactly. Far worse than what they did in 2016, which itself was criminal. It's not even about Trump. It's about the country. You want to live in a place where the CIA operates independently from the president against the favored party's political enemies? I mean, I can't imagine anything more third world. And what about the current CIA director? What did she know about all this? We should find out. I hope you'll come back, Sean Davis. I wish we had more time. There's too much news. But I appreciate your explaining all that. Thank you. So you got the story. Newly declassified documents reveal Brennan briefed Obama on the plan for Trump-Russia. Proof. Barack Obama, Joe Biden directed their administration to use the power of government to attack real Donald Trump campaign and then transition. The Susan Rice email to herself after the Oval Office meeting was part of a cover-up. Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe on Tuesday declassified a document that revealed former CIA Director John Brennan briefed former President Obama on Hillary Clinton's purported plan to tie then-candidate Trump to Russia as a mean of distracting the public for a use of a private email server ahead of the 2016 election. Ratcliffe declassified Brennan's handwritten note, which were taken after he briefed Obama on the intelligence the CIA received in a CIA memo, which revealed that officials referred the matter to the FBI for potential investigative action, which the FBI did because they're fucking crooked at two. A source familiar with the document explained that Brennan handwritten notes were taken after briefing Obama on the matter. We're getting additional insight into Russia activities from redacted. CITE summarized alleged proved approved by Hillary Clinton a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security service. Brennan's notes read, Reality Beaker, this was a coup, plain and simple. Under oath, James Comey just shrugged and said nothing. Why do I throw it in the middle of the COVID? COVID Kassam 2020! Because this is sources. This is what they've done to him for four years. This is why the polls are fucked up. This is what a coup looks like. It was all a sham. And after three years of investigation, it was proven a sham. But these are the people we're going to hand power to? And these wizards, Seltzer Tapler method, WAPO suggests... Molly Hemingway imagined the glee inspired by President Trump's illness. I have no words. Washington Post attacks me for all things, saying I was generally disappointed at the glee some expressed at the news of Trump's positive test. Here's just some of them. You may not give a fuck about children, but decent people care about one another. Another one, WAPO. Molly didn't sign any examples. Also WAPO. We didn't even look and eventually gave up. Clearly weren't on tr- Twitter, as if there's not some way to put words into a computer they keep in their pocket and search for examples in less than 30 seconds. 
Gaslighting 101. Not sure what it's called in the communication, journalism departments of colleges across the U.S., but it's definitely fought, taught far and wide. Pat Sangamino to Molly. You weren't imagining. Opinion. Imagine what it would be like to never have to think about Trump again. That was an article during him having COVID. How about this winner, winner, chicken dinner, tater over there, Brian Seltzer. This is just some of them. How high was the president's fever? I'd rather not give any specific numbers. A troubling response from President's doctor, Jake Tapper. This is unacceptable. Chad Felix Green. It's really none of your fucking business. It's called HIPAA. Another one. HIPAA is unacceptable in CNN. The same media, Molly Hemingway, who have zero problem with Biden refusing to answer whether he'd break every Supreme Court norm or pack the court, want to know details about non-policy stuff. But Seltzer wasn't done. There's been a possible cover-up about the health of the President of the United States. A cover-up led by the President from his hospital room because he is so sensitive about being perceived as weak. Time to amend what I said on Sunday. Cut the word possible. There's a clear cover-up underway and reporters are chipping away. Chippy, 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 chippy. Other tweets. The clearest evidence of a cover-up in the White House refusal to share Trump's COVID testing history. Read the rest of the morning media newsletter. In a big picture sense, Trump is also covering up the reality of COVID-19. He's resuming his coronavirus denialism while he's still hobbled by the disease. Tim Pool. Brian Seltzer's gone full Alex Jones. He is now claiming without evidence that there is a government conspiracy involving not just Trump, but the Walter Reed medical staff. Yeah. So as we go to our first break, here's Tater. Your listening assignment is our media. Once again, they don't want the president to die. They're bipartisan. I mean, come on. There's no media bias. There's none. Just, you know, CNN panel likens Trump health to Stalin's. ABC whines Trump getting best medical care possible, and that's not fair. CBS lies. Oh, we're going to save that one. CNN compares Trump release from hospital to dear leader autocrats. CNN melts down over Trump public appearance. And did they want him to suffer? These are just ABC, NBC, and CBS at night. It's not fair that the President of the United States got good treatment. We're covering a possible cover-up about the health of the President of the United States. A possible cover-up that's being led by the President from his hospital room because he is so sensitive about being perceived as weak. Well, real strength begins with telling the truth. Vice President, I do first want to ask Brian Stelter what the White House Correspondents Association, the association that represents the reporters covering the White House, what they're saying. Right. The association's out with a statement uh, wishing McEnany and the president a swift recovery. But I'm also hearing, Brianna, from White House reporters who are quite angry, who think the association should have spoken out more forcefully or forcefully at all and call this what it is. It's outrageous. Uh, look, I don't want to kick somebody when they're down or sick, but McEnany's behavior, her conduct was outrageous. It's more evidence of a cover-up, more evidence of denialism at the White House up until the point where you start coughing and you can't deny it anymore. I, I think the idea that she's an essential worker 
is an insult to the truck drivers, the delivery workers, the, fa the, the, the grocery store clerks, who are essential workers. And we know that someone like McEnany can work from home, just like the other press aides. But once again, the White House becomes more and more paralyzed by this virus. And I think the question becomes now about Wednesday, about this vice presidential debate. How can this well, vice presidential debate go on? How can Vice President Pence go to this debate? He's supposed to fly there in a couple of hours, fly to Salt Lake City. How can this debate go on? How is he not quarantining? And look at all of the folks, Brian, who have clearly had a... Masha, what do you see happening in America right now with a country unable to know what to believe about the president's health? Well, you know, Brian, uh, there have been a lot of comparisons to the Soviet Union in the last couple of days, and I think they're not unwarranted. Uh, the particular period that I'm thinking about is something that I've written about a lot, which were the days uh, of Stalin's death watch, right, when the, the foreign correspondents and the domestic correspondents, such as they were, um, all knew what was going on. Nobody was giving them any information. Everybody was expecting the final call, right? Um, <clears throat> and the planet filled with rumor. And the thing is, it's not so much what we're being told by White House officials or by the doctors. You can actually create a reasonable narrative from all the things that they have put out there. It is the palpable sense that people are not speaking, that they are withholding mm. information. And of course, the sense of total lack of credibility that has been established over the last four years. Right, and that's the backdrop for all of this. Carl Cameron, I think the, the, the question here is, do you have any advice for the journalists trying to keep up with all these stories? Frankly, Carl, any advice for the public trying to keep up with all this news? Yeah, I think we have to take a really close look at what's happening today and then just rewind it uh, to the campaign of 2015 and 2016 in which most Republicans voted for somebody else during the Republican nomination race uh, in the various different states up until the very last moment where Trump won a plurality of Republicans for the Republican nomination. And what we have now is a, is a prima facie evidence of a person who became president by gaslighting the public, hiding his own failures, his lack of capacity and ability, and now finds himself in Walter Reed Hospital with a virus that he essentially convinced a good portion of the country was not a threat to their lives. Uh, this is the collapse of a democratic republic because of its leadership and its dishonesty. The media has plenty of problems, but journalism and news hinges on facts. And too often the media, whether it's on the internet or in entertainment, is considered actual news. And in that way, people get misled. So reporters, journalists, and the news has a responsibility to lay bare all of the problems of any politician and pat them on the back when they get it right. We just haven't had a lot of that lately. And good morning. The president looking to reassure Americans about his condition by tweeting out a video overnight. His doctor says Trump has made substantial progress since he was diagnosed with COVID-19. While he says the president is not out of the woods, he's cautiously optimistic. That coming after a day of contradictory statements. His doctor's comments not quite matching up with what the White House was saying about the president's health. The White House has offered conflicting messages on the president's health. Bottom line here, we still do 
not know when the president will be discharged, when he first started experiencing symptoms, or how he was infected. The president insists he is feeling better, but that came just hours after a senior White House official told us he is still not on a clear path to full recovery. Overnight, President Trump recording this video from the hospital, telling the American people he's on the road to recovery, but admitting he's not out of the woods just yet. I came here, wasn't feeling so well. I feel much better now. You don't know over the next period of a few days, I guess that's the real test. So we'll be seeing what happens over those next couple of days. This coming after a stark warning from a senior White House official telling us the next 48 hours will be critical in the president's fight against the virus. That assessment at odds with what doctors told reporters earlier Saturday. And focusing on the president's behavior during the pandemic. He really needs to know it can happen to anybody at any given time. And his management of the crisis, criticizing his Supreme Court nomination announcement, now believed to have been a super spreader event, writing, mothers gave birth alone, families weren't allowed to attend a grandparent's funeral, graduations and weddings were canceled. Most would agree that the president of the United States should get the best medical care possible. But when it comes to these experimental treatments, Thousands of people across the country who are suffering from this virus and their family members who are suffering, they're now going to ask if they can have these treatments too. Give us a reality check on the remdesivir and specifically this antibody cocktail. Who will have access and who won't? Yes, yeah, so remdesivir should be available to people who are hospitalized across the country. It has gotten preliminary approval from the FDA. Um, in terms of this antibody cocktail that the president got, we don't actually know if it works or not. Um, we're hoping it does. We, the studies are being done right now. And, and if the studies pan out, then I'm hoping later in the year and really probably in 2021. Be- Brian, what did you think of that little photo op, uh, the president walking out? of the uh, Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, getting uh, without saying anything, just basically thank you, ignored reporters' questions, gave a thumbs up, uh, and then got into the SUV. Right. One reporter asked if he believes Trump, if the president believes he could be a super spreader himself. That question was ignored. You know, Wolf, I think all of this makes sense when you view it through the prism of the following idea. Uh, the president views every day as a television show. He produces the show, and he wants to be the star of the show. He's not thinking two days ahead or two weeks ahead. He's not thinking about how he's going to be feeling at the White House next week. He's just trying to win today and make today's TV show the best he can, where he wins. He's the star of the show. I think that's what we are seeing on our screens right now. It's cynical. uh, It is performative. And it's dangerous, given his own health and his own condition, that he's off producing this show on his own. But I I think that's the logical, not logical, but that's the illogical strategy uh, to all of this when, when we see it on live television. He knows the nightly newscasts are on right now. He knows all the cable uh, there channels he is. are watching. Uh, there's the president, uh, Brian. He's uh, obviously stopping again, giving another thumbs up. Uh, he's uh, going to you know, get, a, get aboard Marine One, make that brief flight uh, to the south lawn of the White House. We're going to try to watch this as is- much of this as we can. Brian, go ahead. It's not a real show of strength, but it's a performative show of strength. This is what strong men do in in autocratic regimes. Of course, thankfully, we are in a democracy. uh, But this is the kind of thing you see in uh, from strong men who want to appear to be leading. It's a dear leader sort of approach. Uh, And I think that is what we are seeing on our television screens. Meanwhile, there are big questions about the cover up. You know, why won't they tell us about his testing history when he was tested? We've moved from this possibly being a cover up to actually being a cover up. 
And uh, whether the president's at Walter Reed or back at the White House, reporters are going to keep demanding answers to those questions. Yeah. Good point, Jeremy. And it is very fitting because this president, we know how much he loves uh, to put on a show, um, loves to create surprises, to make good TV. Uh, let me bring back in David Gergen as we sort of digest what we just witnessed, this unexpected moment in which the president drove by in an SUV to say hello to his supporters and give him a good wave. Um, Jeremy did make a good point there, David Gergen, that one, we know the president is not 100 percent, clearly, as he's continuing to battle the coronavirus and has been very ill along the course of his coronavirus journey. It, it was good to hear him in that video sounding a little bit stronger and looking good in this, this image as well. However, he's He's putting those Secret Service drivers and members who are protecting him in this moment at risk. Yes, it's, it's classic, classic Donald Trump, isn't it? You know, he he does want to be the star of any show or he wants to be at the center of attention. Uh, he does have admirers out there, obviously, people who come gathered. And he is, I'm sure, cheering them on and sending a message to the rest of his base. Look, I'm in, in this fight. I mean, that's a message not only about today and tomorrow and the next two or three days. That's a, He's the message of someone who's running for president, and he wants to be back in the action as soon as he can. I think, you know, I, I, I think it's up to the doctors to tell us, is this reckless or not? Is this something you all would have approved of, or did he just do it on his own? Uh, we'd, it'd be helpful to know more, uh, but I doubt we'll let, hear anything more until tomorrow. This I Tonight, even the president's own doctors concede they've taken a fast-track approach in treating the president, involving some higher-risk medications. We're in a bit of uncharted territory when it comes to a patient that received the therapies he has so early in the course. At Walter Reed on Friday, the president was given the highest dose of an experimental antibody cocktail designed to kickstart the body's defenses. So far, there are only results on 275 trial patients. Mr. Trump received that antibody treatment under a compassionate use agreement with the company. I can assure you that um, there, there was, there's nothing to the notion that uh, any special relationships or anything like this. Uh, we've reached out certainly to the Biden team uh, to offer to offer um, our antibody cocktail to them. It's also worth noting that President Trump has been receiving and will continue to receive the very best care in the world at Walter Reed, including an experimental drug therapy that is not available to most Americans. His doctor says he will continue his treatment at the White House, which is equipped with an advanced medical office there. One other quick question I want to ask you, Dr. LaPook, is about the treatment that the president is receiving. He is on dexamethasone, a steroid, which you pointed out is a very strong steroid. He has also had an early dose of uh, Regeneron, an antiviral, a monoclonal antibody. And then he is receiving a five-day course of remdesivir, which has received an emergency use authorization by the FDA. It is not widely available to most of the public, but it can be requested of the remdesivir. The president tweeting today about leaving Walter Reed, telling the American people, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. It drew outrage from point out this country hit 210,000 lives lost today and that the doctor and the president received the best health care in the world, those experimental treatments. Many upset with him saying, don't be afraid of COVID in this pandemic. And we begin with our chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, tonight. 
After receiving some of the most advanced medical care in the world for three nights, including experimental treatments usually reserved for the most serious COVID cases, President Trump tweeted today that he is heading back to the White House. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery by statute. I believe in science and karma. Now just imagine if science and karma could somehow team up (laughs) to send us all a message about how dangerous this virus can be. I'm not saying I want it to happen. Just imagine it. Yeah, well, you know, politics aside, this is uh, awful news for us because Trump was actually supposed to host SNL next week. <laughs> like, on a, uh, okay, serious voice. Uh, while in the hospital, the president isn't allowed to see any guests, but he is expected to be visited by three ghosts. Probably <laughs> one from his past, one from his future. Okay, look, this is weird. Because a lot of people on both sides are saying there's nothing funny about Trump being hospitalized with coronavirus, even though he mocked the safety precautions for the coronavirus. And those people are obviously wrong. (laughs) There's a lot funny about this. Maybe not from a moral standpoint, but mathematically, if you were constructing a joke, this is all the ingredients you need. The problem is it's almost too funny. Like, it's so on the nose. It'd be like if I were making fun of people who wear belts and then my pants just immediately fell down. (laughs) Well, say what you will about 2020, but uh, it's got moves. (laughs) This news was a lot for us to process a day before we came back on the air after four months off. And it all happened so fast. I woke up yesterday and heard the president had mild symptoms. And then four hours later, he was getting medevac to a hospital in what looked like the last chopper out of Vietnam. (laughs) I gotta say, it's a bad sign for America that when Trump said he tested positive for a virus, 60% of people were like, prove it. (laughs) And it's been very weird to see all these people who clearly hate Trump come out and say, we wish him well. I think a lot of them are just guilty that their first wish came true. Yeah, well, you know, politics aside, this is uh, awful news for us because Trump was actually supposed to host SNL next week. (laughs) Like, on a, uh, okay, serious voice. Uh, While in the hospital, the president isn't allowed to see any guests, but he is expected to be visited by three ghosts, probably... (laughs) One from his past, one from his future. Okay, look, this is weird. 
Because a lot of people on both sides are saying there's nothing funny about Trump being hospitalized with coronavirus, even though he mocked the safety precautions for the coronavirus. And those people are obviously wrong. <laughs> there's a lot funny about this. Maybe not from a moral standpoint, but mathematically, if you were constructing a joke, this is all the ingredients you need. The problem is it's almost too funny. Like, it's so on the nose. It'd be like if I were making fun of people who wear belts and then my pants just immediately fell down. <laughs> and I will say that despite everything, President Trump actually seems to be in good spirits. He tweeted a message that ended with love and three exclamation points. Uh -oh. So it sounds like they're cutting his hydroxychloroquine with a little bit of molly. And then, this was good, just hours ago, Trump released a video from the hospital saying he's in better health, which is great news. Though I will point out that if the situation were reversed and it was Biden who got sick, Trump would 100% be at a maskless rally tonight, getting huge laughs, doing an impression of Biden on a ventilator. Just saying. <laughs> by, by the way, is, is anyone surprised by this? I honestly thought Trump was trying to get coronavirus. <laughs> I thought it was like Groundhog Day when Bill Murray knew he couldn't die and he was just trying anything. So all those maskless rallies Trump was having, that was him being safe? Look, I don't want the president to die, obviously. You know, actually, I wish him a very lengthy recovery. I think if there's one thing we learned tonight, it's that America needs a WAP. Woman as president. I'll settle for HVPIC, hot vice president in charge. I have to say that Alex always does a fantastic job, but last night I think he didn't bring the full Trump because he wasn't angry enough. But the most talked about moment of the night may have come from musical performer Megan Thee Stallion, who delivered a powerful message about the Kentucky Attorney General overseeing the Breonna Taylor case. Take a listen. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery by savages. We need to protect our black women and love our black women. Because at the end of the day, we need... We're now hearing from your colleague Mitch McConnell that he wants to... Actually, undertake virtual committee hearings for processing the Supreme Court, the potential Supreme Court justice. What do you get? A lot of these committee hearings, folks don't realize that when you are in the room, you get a different sense of something. You get a different sense of what the person is doing, and in some cases, you could actually disrupt it, as we saw in the last and during Kavanaugh's hearing, of protesters, and you lose those elements. Are you that wasn't even the bad stuff? And then you had SNL once again which I didn't preference, you know, when we let in there. Could you imagine a comedy show making fun of Obama if he stubbed his toe? Oh my God, the office of the President of the United States. The office of the President of the United States. You must respect her, you fucking racist. And then Blackish even got in and CBS jerked off to some rapper on SNL dissing Trump. You support this, Charlie? There's always room for one black guy in a campaign like this. Bush had Powell, Trump had Carson, Obama had Obama. How did...
did you even get on the ballot? I'm a rich white man. I asked. Gentlemen, I believe it's time for me to go get photographed with an eagle. <coughs> Careful with that bird. He was a Christmas present from Ted Nugent. <coughs> Well, you're never going to believe what Steven says he's going to do. Hunt Josh for sport? Fund a South American coup? Deintegrate baseball? Stop calling Inglewood a basketball neighborhood. No! He's going to run for Congress! Oh. Well, that makes sense. How does that make sense? It's normal behavior for guys like him. When the wiener pills stop working, they try to screw the country. Problem is, white men don't know how to be bored. That's why they're always opening up vineyards. Well, he's wasting his time. As soon as Ronan Farrell gets a hold of that folder labeled Do Not Show Ronan Farrell, it's over. Well, I'm for it. I'm in favor of anything that brings us closer to society breaking down. Don't get too excited. Stevens doesn't stand a chance. I wouldn't be so sure. A tall white man with all his original hair? <laughs> he's already got my vote. Mm-hmm. Mine, too. I like that he's a bad person. A politician should be willing to get his hands dirty. Marion Barry bought crack. You telling me he can't handle the parks department? Guys, you really think Stevens can get elected? Dad, I am totally with you. What are his chances? He's sexist, out of touch, completely amoral. Oh, God. He's gonna win. Who votes to determine the winner of a presidential election? The American people. The Illuminati. The Electoral College. Good for you for $100. The president, in fact, is chosen by an unelected group of 538 people who you've never heard of. Who are they? How did they get there? You'll never know. Uh, that's the definition of the Illuminati. Judges? Uh, well, the judges say they can't prove that you're not right. So, Charlie, you get $100. Yes! Can I get that up out you right now? Our next question. True or false? Even with the Electoral College, everyone's vote for the president counts the same. True. One person, one vote. Ooh, sorry. The answer is false. States with smaller populations get more power. So if you're from Wyoming, congratulations. And if you're from California, prepare for the big one. But you are better off than all the people in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands and all of the other less vacationing U.S. territories. They have no say-so in who the president is, but lucky for them, they still get to pay taxes. <laughs> all right, here's our final question. Why was the Electoral College implemented? Illuminati. It's got just got to be the Illuminati. Ooh, sorry, Charlie. The answer is slavery. The answer is almost always slavery. Did you know that four of the first five presidents were from the South? The other, John Adams, was from Boston. The South of the North. <laughs> Uh-oh, looks like we're out of time. Let's tally up the scores and see who our winner is for today. Okay, it looks like our winner is contestant one. Yeah! What? But I'm winning. Oh, you were winning. But your points only count for three-fifths of a white man. Thanks, Founding Fathers. 
And musical guest Megan Thee Stallion put on a powerful performance at one point, slamming Kentucky's attorney general for his actions in the Breonna Taylor case. Yeah, she went all the way there. So did Saturday Night Live, actually. Yeah. I was I was wondering, Glad, how they were going to pull it off, considering that the president is in the hospital at this time. But they were able to do it and do it in a respectful way, but also make the case that they wanted to make that some of this stuff just is not OK. I mean, it, it must be an election season. It's so coordinated. I mean, God damn these people. Then we have this shithead from the Lincoln Project, Steve Schmidt. Now, remember, we just released, I just played a soundbite that the whole Russia thing was made up to deflect. That's why it was only them talking about it in June 2016. Steve Schmidt, Trump's physician, has put it mildly less than forthcoming. Clearly, Trump has been on oxygen. Here's a good control question to see if doctors lying to the American people. Ask him to confirm if Trump is 246 pounds. Julian Kenyon. It is very likely that Russian intelligence agency, through signal and human intel sources at Walter Reed, etc., have more information about the president's condition than we do. Though I think we all know how the president is doing. Doctors lie too. That is a CNN journalist. So the military's lying. It's amazing you can't even see the tinfoil hat in her profile pic. John Delgado, or Juan Delgado. They have no narrative for the Biden camp, so they're rehashing ideas from 2016. Look at you and your little disinformation campaign. She went to Harvard, by the way. That's Harvard. And then everybody wants to be Acosta, because there's a lot of Acosta about to come. Jonathan Carl, why was the decision made to transport him here, reporter asked. Conley, because of the President of the United States. He has been president since 1-2017. Molly Hemingway, this tweet reads like that a particularly catty junior high school boy might say, thinking it sounds super smart. Ben McDonald, are you saying he got the virus in January 2017? This dunk is literally too stupid to understand. But they were in a feeding frenzy. Los Angeles time. When Reagan was shot, country rallied around, but he hadn't spent months downplaying assassin. Molly Hemingway, what is wrong with you? Yashir Ali. I thought this was like an opinion piece, but it's a news story. Just an insane way to frame this. Other publications did stuff like after months of downplaying coronavirus threat, but they didn't involve presidential assassinations. Benny, I thought this was the Babylon Bee. Remember, we discovered the New York Times finally checking out Black Bloc and finding out that they're really horrible people, which totally refutes the Michelle Obama insanity we're going to hear in our violence section today. That was opinion. This opinion piece is news. And then Steve Schmidt, well, he had to get in even more. This is really long, but I'm going to show you how evil these people are that are supposed conservatives. Project Lincoln, we are hearing from many sources within the Trump campaign about the fear and panic in the ranks. Staffers are scared. Some are terrified. They know the walls are crumbling. Some like Miller and Meadows are irredeemable and will face history's brutal, brutal judgment. 
Trump is losing. He's failing. The campaign is out of money. The former campaign manager allegedly stole $40 million, is reported to have beaten his wife and waved a gun at her. 5-0 took him down like he was on cops. Guilfoy is disgraced and going down. Don Jr. is clearly distressed. It's every man and woman for themselves. Lincoln Project. Old friends, you came to Washington. And most of you with idealism in your hearts and the love of country and our people, look what happened. It's not too late. We will protect you. Confidentially, what is happening inside? Is there talk of inciting fascist militia like the Proud Boys? Is there talk of proclaiming illegitimate victory? Is there talk of illegal voter suppression? It's not too late to do the right thing. Remember, all you had to do once upon a time was be in the resistance by midnight on June 6, 1944. That time to act is now. Reach out. We protect you. What are you seeing on the inside? We know about the mutiny tonight. So many of you are working from home now. No one's watching. Slow it down. Do no more. Damage. Incite no more racial animus. Incite no more violence and insanity. Be complicit in no more lies. Look at the monuments in Washington. Remember what they stand for. We are your friends. The American people are your friends. Hurt us all no more. Help end this. Reach out. Rick Wilson, Reed Ganlin, Stuart Stevens. Let us help you help all of us. Be patriots in our hours of crisis. It is your next act that will be remembered. Trump will ask more of you. If you do as he asks, there will be no place to return from. Infamy will linger forever around your names. It is America or Trump in the final analysis. It is time to come home. The sickness is spreading among you because Trump doesn't care about you. His recklessness has put your family in danger and he has put all Americans in danger. Help us end this nightmare. What is happening on the inside? What gears and machinery can you throw sand in? Fight back as long as you can. Vote him out. Uh, Javier Manjas, you guys are idiots. Who are lining your pockets with progressive Democrat dollars? You're an ass. This happened not when 7 million Americans got sick and 200,000 died. They only got scared when it came for them. Exactly right. First, they came for socialists, but did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for trade unionists, but I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, but I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Oh, by the way, here's what Jews are doing. Y'all need this day. Those are Jews protesting the fucking unconstitutional punishment of religious people in New York by you perfect people. And the best part about Steve Schmidt, he starts his screed with he knows what's going on inside, and then he asks for people to tell him what's going on inside, and then he asks for people to subvert the President of the United States. Openly calling for sedition. I remember under Barack Hussein Obama, if you just criticized something, you were un-American trash that needed to be executed. I remember that. 
but I guess outright calling for sedition within an administration, which is what they've been doing since he got elected with the whole Russiagate bullshit. Well, that's just normal. And then you got Mr. Fucking He totally handed COVID so good. Ami Serene, Cuomo's using a 2006 photo to manufacture excuses for cracking down on New York Jews. It takes 30 seconds to confirm. Slide one, this press reading of the photo of Jews without masks or social distancing. Two, reverse lookup of the photo. Slide three, it's an AP photo from 2006. Brian Knotts, especially religious. I don't think that's going to fly with these courts. This is so fucking infuriating. Never mind the pass that Black Lives Matter gets. What the hell is up with New York politicians getting a pass and targeting Jews? This is what Como said. He invoked the Torah to defend te- guidelines targeting at houses of worship. In Jewish teaching, one of the most precious principles is saving a life. To save a life, the Torah speaks about how certain religious obligations can be excused if you're gonna save a life. Local governments must enforce the law. I know I've said this several times. But we can sit here all day long and come up with laws and rules. I'm not playing the whole thing. Fuck him. Drew Holden, every day I'm blown away anew at the gall of this son of a bitch. You're purposely targeting Jews. But you're going to invoke the Torah. And nobody calls him on it. That's the thing about the whole thing. This is what you're voting for on November 4th or 3rd or whatever the fuck it is. When is it? 4th? I probably should be putting that out really good. It's the 3rd. November 3rd, Election Day. Let's get that right. You're voting for this kind of fascism. Here is literally your media when he took the drive. President Trump made a surprise drive-by, waved to his supporters. Caitlin Collins, CNN. President Trump, wearing a mask, rides by his supporters outside Walter Reed while in the back of a suburban. Philip Crothaw. That's Trump driving by his supporters outside Walter Reed Military Hospital. John Satichuni. Trump is back at Walter Reed per senior administration official. Not going home. Why not tonight? Remains at Walter Reed. Jordan Fabian. President Trump, who's infected with a potentially lethal virus, left the Walter Reed campus two-plus hours after the White House called a lid and sent home the protective pool to drive inside a closed SUV sitting less than six feet apart from other passengers. Trump just took a joyride around Walter Reed. This is Chip Franklin. He's fucking insane. 200,000 dead and he's putting more Secret Service at risk. David Gura. In this dispatch from Walter Reed, a massless Trump who has contracted a contagious and deadly disease details how many people, including soldiers and first responders he has met, and says he plans to greet some of his supporters outside. Amanda Becker at CNN. The White House called the press lit at 3 p.m. At about 5.16, Trump posted a video saying he'll be going outside Walter Reed. Steven Sanchez, President Trump just drove by supporters and been outside Walter Reed. At least two other people in the car and three were without masks. In a parade style, Trump is driving by a crowd of supporters. His staff and Secret Service putting themselves at risk. Sarah Cook, White House social media director, tweets that President Trump drove by his supporters gathered outside. This also means the president, who is COVID positive, was in an enclosed space with the Secret Service. Sweet fucking God! Here's the problem, dingbats. He's not contagious anymore. He's not contagious. 
So what the actual fuck? And then Kaylee McKinney gets it. Jim Acosta shitting on top of her. She was not wearing a mask during a gaggle. The White House press secretary, she says she's tested positive for COVID. Yamichi Alcindor, the racist. White House reporters often ask White House aides why they refuse to wear masks. We're regularly told it's because they are tested often and been negative. Now, press secretary didn't quarantine after being exposed to Hope Hicks and who's addressed reporters without masks yesterday is positive. Olivia Newsy, Callie McKinney, has repeatedly spoken to reporters without a mask on. She has recklessly endangered lives. Ben Tracy, I felt safer reporting in North Korea than I currently do reporting at the White House. This is just crazy. Jerry Dunleavy, interesting. This actually reads like the kind of thing that a reporter working for North Korea would say. I would play Samuel L. Jackson, your fucking motherfucker. But I won't. Then the press pool, White House Correspondents Association, head by fucking Jonathan Carl, lost their fucking shit because he didn't bring the pool along for the ride that they criticized and totally lost their fucking shit. Chris Hayes, that video will absolutely get people killed. Jen Din. Hey, look, the Democrats are blaming deaths on a video again. Then Jim Acosta, because once again, the office of the President of the United States doesn't mean shit. Coronavirus in chief, Trump takes off masks and returns to the White House. White House correspondents call the President coronavirus in chief. We don't take sides, y'all. China could not have asked for a better propaganda bitch like you, Acosta. <laughs> and then everybody says, he's alone. He's by himself. Marine Dowd starts the, okay, we're going to start going after the military. When Trump walked through the doors, Walter Reed had a stellar reputation. As he walks out 72 hours later, its reputation is in tatters. There's nothing Trump can't ruin. Somebody says, oh, by successfully treating a patient? Really? They are so concerned about this election. That taking off the mask at CNN just went into overdrives. Only days into his diagnosis, the first thing President Trump does when he gets back to the White House is take off his mask. Kirstie Alley. What would you like him to do? Start crying like a little bitch so you can report that he's crying like a little bitch? He could have a hazmat suit on and you would report he's a fucking lunatic in a hazmat suit. You hate him. Just report it. Yeah. Just report you hate the President of the United States. This is no longer about fucking news. This is you guys just hating somebody. Jake Tapper. This is a real tweet. This is what adults do, I guess. This is me alone in CNN coffee room abiding by basic health regulations because that's what adults do. Nick Searcy. No, Jake Tapper. That's what virtue signaling leftist bitches do. Another person. If you are sitting alone wearing a mask, you're not an adult. You're a fucking idiot. 
another person. Jake, this is even what the CDC or WHO recommends. That's not what they recommend. And and we've caught Tapper. You heard in the intro, and that's why I played it. All of these motherfuckers at CNN getting caught. And fucking piece of fucking shit. Motherfucking cocksucking fucking fuck. Cuomo. Literally having arguments with people during his lockdown. And I was going to play it during the This Is America, but this is what Cuomo said on CNN, the most trusted name in Democratic news. There he is, hair blown majestically, reshooting the scene for his own ad. I hold rallies. And I tell you to ignore masks and I rip mine off as I vanquish the virus because I am a leader. Fear not, COVID. What a bunch of bullshit. Going back to the White House, if you want to know the reality, the truth, okay, the virus is the truth. You've got a president who was a drunk driver who is pushing others to drive drunk. That's what he is. Do I want to see a drunk driver get hurt? Hell no. But I worry more about the people he hits. And I love seeing him do that victory lap in that limo. Thank God. You know why? I knew that meant he has to be okay. Not the people who were in there with him, PPE up to their nose. Now they got a quarantine. He doesn't give a damn. And now I don't have to feign any extra measure of compassion. Because he went out there. Whatever happens now is on him. The White House is a cluster. He returned to a cluster and took his mask off. That is covidiacy. He's a covidiot. <gasps> You're disrespecting the president. No, he disrespected the presidency. All that's left is the residue of outrage because that's the only emotion I have. He didn't beat the virus. He's not better than anybody who didn't beat the virus or who takes time. He's not stronger than I am. He got every advantage. He has use of all the things he denies the rest of us. They left their own people for dead. I know it. I've spoken to five of them. Who? None of your damn business. It's not the point. The only reason they want the information out there is so they can destroy those people. And I'm done with letting them destroy people. Me? Bring it. I said it on the show. I hated Barack Obama. I hated Bill Clinton. I hated Hillary. When she took the dirt dive at the 9-11 memorial, I didn't relish that she took the dirt dive. I reported on the show, she has a medical condition that they don't even talk about, and they spent a whole campaign saying John McCain was dead. How is that journalism cnn a son of a bitch in less than four months if the polls are correct biden will be president and they will be spending all their time saying some rando on his podcast said that joe biden's a fucking moron who has alzheimer 
and I'm disrespecting the office of the President of the United States. You know, I'm not that they're going to find my podcast. I'm not being that arrogant. But my point being is, that will be un just inappropriate. But at least he's honest. He wanted that son of a bitch to die. But it started with fucking Acosta, and then it went to Tapper, and everybody over there. Here's Asha Raponga. I can't focus on what she's saying because I'm distracted by the camera angle. Why is she standing sideways? Melania Trump put out a video. Everybody in the world said, like this? And it's an actual picture of her in the same pose because she thinks she's pretty or something. Then she said, to recap, we have a biological terrorist in the White House. By the way, may, by the way, I mean that literally Trump owns own AG says that COVID meets the statutory definition of a biological agent, and that intentionally passing it to another can constitute an act of terrorism. Yeah, why aren't we finding out who got um, him sick? Is that going to fall inside your uh, journalist? Oh, no, you're not checking that out? Okay. I didn't think you were. I'm I'm just throwing it out there. Waji Ali. The Muslim in me is praying all of them recover and heal for COVID. The Samuel L. Jackson in me is rooting for the COVID. No, you're a a, a fucking terrorist. So, no, you want us all to die. I met your kind. So shut the fuck up. Then we did a survey. Survey or a survey, 40% of Democrats are happy and 31% are excited that President Trump got COVID. 900 American Democrats. Excited. They think it's great he got COVID. They're so fucking happy. Another CNN analyst, Lauren Groff. All of this could have been avoided if a small percentage of Republicans read up to two books a year. Because that's what it is. We're all uneducated. It's a Chuck Todd version. It's what Chuck Todd says all the time. It's because you're stupid. You get COVID because you're stupid. You don't get COVID because it just shit happens. You get COVID because you're stupid. You're uneducated. You're not as smart as us. You didn't do what we tell you to do, but we don't do ourselves. And then we get into some more ugliness. Drew Holden. John Cooper, for fraud he is, and vicious receipt-filled Fred. John Cooper tweets as a fraud and a hack. He circulates bogus claims as sources supposedly tell him about doom and gloom so he can score attention on Twitter. A quick threat. First, he claimed he would be the final nail in the coffin on some major story he was reporting working on about Trump and impeachment. This was September 2018. Not yet. One of these top three cable news networks, as well as the major national newspaper, is in the process of vetting my primary source. I spoke yesterday with one of the top three cable news networks. I've been working on with them on the story for the past several weeks. I can tell you that one of the major sources, Team Putin. In November 2018, his GOP source told him that Mike Pence was going to be indicted under Mueller, a Mueller investigation. 
course, that wasn't true. Speaking of Mueller indictment that never happened, he said he same thing about real Donald Trump Jr. How about John Cooper tweets? Did that one come to pass? Although I haven't heard this directly, a Republican source in D.C. told me there's increasing chatter in GOP circles that Mueller is close to indicting Trump Jr. He said the word on the street is he's not a question of if, but when. Lock him up. He smeared Lindsey Graham as well. Same thing here. It's been two years to the day. No word from John Cooper tweets on the story so huge that they, CNN, wants to be extra careful. Lindsey Graham is a disgusting excuse for a human being. He's also a bully and a hypocrite, a liar, and most likely a criminal, guilty of accepting over 800K in illegal foreign campaign donation. John McCain, a true patriot and a real gentleman, must be spinging his grave. No, the big story hasn't dropped yet. But working with CNN on it for a couple months, but they're looking for one more backup source. The story's so huge that they want the extra careful with their vetting. No, they don't. They were the main culprit of the smoking gun. In February 2018, he said the White House was frantically rushing to replace John Kelly, who was leaving as soon as that weekend. Kelly left in December. He does this often. He's he's here's more mystery staffer or planning to leave. Remember, when there was going to be a serious Republican challenger to Trump, just overheard a usually reliable source tells me the fourth Republican will likely challenge Trump. Remember when the walls were closing in because of Michael Cohen. I have a hard time buying this one, too. Of course, John Cooper tweets does a typical, the walls are closing in BS all the time. So I guess this isn't anything new. Perhaps my favorite prediction was that Kushner was on his way out back in 2017. Kushner has since gone on to broker multiple historic Middle East plans. Part of me didn't even want to give any attention to a guy like John Cooper because his fraud survivor is part because of his attention, good or bad. But he's among the most dishonest, slimy, self-serving grifters around today, so I need to be said. The only good thing about this app is that it creates ample opportunity to expose frauds. And oh yeah, he had a source that Trump was going to die. Then you got another great guy from the Lincoln Project, Rick Wilson. If you're in the Trump administration, may I recommend viewing the death of Stalin? Then we have all the blue checks after the doctor. Courtney Samarian, new memo for the Trump physician Conley, has a resistful light sleep at home, and today he reports no symptoms. Vital signs of physical exam remain stable, with ambulatory oxygen saturation level of 97%. 95% oxygen saturation isn't great, David Knowles, because he's a doctor. Caitlin Collins, President Trump's doctor, released an update on his condition, saying he has no symptoms today. It's not clear whether Conley will brief and take questions like he did for the last three days. Sebastian Smith. Interesting nuance in Dr. Conley's medical bulletin saying that Trump is symptom-free. The source is he reports no symptoms. Real Donald Trump says he's symptom-free. Oh, you got Pulitzer there, brother. Caitlin, doesn't the White House doctor usually sign our initial letter to prove he wrote it? Dr. Conley stopped this two letters in. Any thoughts on that? Jeremy Diamond, Dr. Sean Conley says Trump is reporting no symptoms today and has healthy oxygen saturation levels. Overall, he continues to be doing extremely well. Conley says the latest memo. One thing we still don't know. What kind of damage has COVID done to Trump's lungs? Jack Sheshner. This just is an incredible. Hospitalized Friday and no symptoms by Tuesday. I don't buy it. Dr. Conley's full of shit. And then Jennifer Rubin is our last. Congress might want to defund Walter Reed. It is a public health hazard. 
Storm Chaser. I don't personally, I don't get personal on Twitter, but I have to say something. I'm a current patient at Walter Reed. I don't need thanks. It's been a great honor. But after 19 years, I deserve this treatment. I need it to live. I need my life back. This is irresponsible. You're a horrible person. They never think. They never think. They just go into spin mode and attack everything that is in their way so that they can win. That's all it's about. And they're doing it all for this gaff machine. As you know, I've got lots of support from you, Sydney. That's where and more to come, I think. No, I've I've had a great relationship. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. American public, the blinders have been taken off. They've all of a sudden seen a hell of a lot clearer. They've seen, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. What the actual fuck? How can he keep saying this? You don't vote for me. You're not black. I, 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 what? We're mincing syllables on Trump and making Trump out to be the grand wizard of the KKK every day. And that man outright says that. They don't say anything. Because everything's cooked. Free Beacon. NBC News featured a pair of undecided voters during a network town hall earlier this week who had previously declared their support for Democratic nominee Joe Biden on the MSDNC channel. Welcome back. Welcome back, Miami. And the town hall meeting with former Vice President Joe Biden taking questions from undecided voters. Peter Gonzalez has the next question. Hello, welcome to Miami, Mr. Vice President. Um, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and I've been living in Coral Gables for the last 20 plus years. We get four more years of Trump. Good luck. And good luck with the future attracting younger voters. Let's go to Ismail Eliano, who voted for Hillary Clinton four years ago, but has voted Republican in the past. What's your question for Mr. Biden? Hi, Mr. Vice President. Things that, you know, that, that, that Joe Biden said. The same fucking people. The same fucking people. They do this all the time. And then you get Brian Seltzer. No matter how reckless Trump gets, no matter how damaging his words, Fox remains differential. The banner right now blindly repeats, Trump on COVID-19, don't let it dominate you. This was the CNN's banner last night also. Trump, don't let COVID dominate you. But he didn't like that. He didn't like it at all. So for a mini-narrative, here's... uh, Cuomo 
losing his shit with uh, Ted Cruz. Brian Seltzer whining about Fox. Al Franken lying and saying ACB is for sterilization. Armin Maholden over on MSDNC. When a host started talking bad, you just cut him off. Because, you know, facts and shit. Democrats to shut the economy down are bad co- policies that hurt people's lives. What do you and do the when people are getting are sick, result. What do you do when people are getting sick, Senator, and you can't well, you test don't, them? You don't send them and in they don't wear homes. masks, and you tell you them not to. You don't send them into nursing homes. Oh, so, so the nursing homes was the sum total of the entire problem in the country. That's what well, it was. It, it, it led Seven to New million York having 33,000 deaths compared to Texas having 15,000 deaths. And Texas has 50% more population than New York does. And what about all the cases that they had? And how so many people got be, sick by be, the refusal to shut down businesses? You say you, know you want what? to open them up, but you won't discuss how. You say you introduced objective. a bill, but you won't talk about the president and his failure. The testing has to be done at the federal level, Ted. You know this. You understand a little bit about state economics. You know the governor can't do it himself, right? Well, actually, governors have taken the lead and have had much greater success. Texas' record on every level is much, much better than New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. Look at the rate every day of testing. My brother puts it out every day. They were the hub of where people were coming. You guys want to celebrate China, you let in 40,000 people. It had already moved to Europe. So, so Chris, you let in tens of thousands of people. They went to the hubs. That's why we got so sick. Does it trouble you at all that New York and New Jersey had the highest death rates in the country? Of course. Does that make you pause and say, It troubles me, Ted. And to watch guys like you stand by and stroke your beard like a wise man instead of telling the president to get on it when you have power. How about tell your brother to get on it? My brother will stand for his own record. Why don't you talk to the president the way you talk to my brother, Ted? You afraid of him? You think he'll smack you down at home? Oh, is that yeah. what it is? I'm like he shut you up in the primary? You, you guys not are the really Cuomos. tough. I'm talking about the president. My brother's not the president. I'm talking about the president, the one who called you a liar, the one who said your wife was ugly. That guy, you know, the guy now who you won't say anything about. I, I recognize that you like you actually wonder why you don't have a lot of Republicans that want to come on your show. I have more than any other show and yell at me and insult. I'm not insult I'm me. not yelling at you. And, and I'm raising fine. my voice to match your own because you, you want to you play games, Ted, and, and people okay. are dying. That, 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 that's OK, Chris. I, uh, you're perfectly fine. You not only watched the debate last night, but you for your book, you sort of watched Fox News more than is maybe a healthy amount. Did you find it hard to watch it day in and day out? That's funny. I watch it a lot like President Trump. I have the volume off. I watch it by a fast forwarding. I'll fast forward through shows just so I can at least see what's on the banner, see what they're saying. Because I don't think you can understand America without understanding Fox right now. It is an alternative reality where New York City, a place I love, is a hellhole, a disaster zone. It's so unhinged from reality. But if you don't know what your grandfather or your grandmother is hearing on Fox, then you can't possibly have a reasonable conversation. So I I did watch too much Fox for the book, uh, mostly muted. And here's the funny thing at home. I don't know how this works, Seth. My wife would always know when I had Fox with the volume up. Whenever I turned the volume up, she somehow could tell that it wasn't CNN or MSNBC. It was like she had a sixth sense for Fox. And of course, she, she wanted me to mute it. But I told her I was working. I told her I had to work. Well, one thing she might have heard on Fox News that you don't hear on the other cable news channel is uh, uh, Fox News personalities complaining about you by name. Uh, <laughs> you come up a lot. Uh, how is it? How does it feel to be a, a cable news reporter who is, 
you know, basically being dragged by the cable news reporters on another network. And I'm one of their hate objects, and we just have to view it the way it is. Let's call it what it is. Trump is leading a hate movement against the media, and he has a bunch of hate objects, and, uh, and Fox picks up on those and runs with those. But it is so surreal, Seth, when you're watching Sean Hannity's show, and all of a sudden he's calling you Humpty Dumpty, and he's using a funny picture on TV. Like that, that never gets old. That's always weird. And it's weird for me because Hannity used to be really friendly with me. He gave me great advice when I went, went into CNN. Like, you know, he used to be almost a mentor of sorts. Tucker Carlson, too. He donated money when I was a blogger. So to have these relationships with these guys and then to see them fall so far down the Trump rabbit hole, it's, it really is surreal. You know, Tucker called me a eunuch once, and I had to Google that word, and I wish I hadn't learned what it meant. But now every day I get tweets from people calling me, calling me those insults, and it really does speak to how, you know, this information war is waged. Like, I think it's mostly funny, and I don't really care that they call me Humpty Dumpty, and I know that I've got a bald you know, head. But it does show how the information war is raged, waged when all these trolls pile on and use the nicknames that Fox comes up with. You know what I mean? Like, when Grandpa is sick, when you have a loved one who is sick, the entire family suffers. And I had people at Fox News say to me, is that what's going on, Brian? Is that what's going on? And they, they are wondering things that lots of other people are wondering the difference is that when you work for Fox, you're afraid to say it out loud on the record because it's going to piss off the audience. Uh, well, congrats on the book. It is a, a, a very nice historical record. Uh, I look forward uh, to when it is a historical record because that will mean we're in the future and not the present. <laughs> I mean, to quarantine right now for uh, the next 10 to 14 days. What do you make of the decision to push ahead nonetheless? Also, she's a, a terrible well, choice in so many ways. I questioned her, as you may remember, mm -hmm, Renette. Mm -hmm. She was she had taken money from the Alliance for Defense of Freedom, which is a hate group. The Southern uh, Poverty Law Center mm -hmm. had labeled them a hate group. They are for the sterilization of transgender people, and she took so money from them. Uh, she is an extreme choice. She believes that conception starts at conception uh, that that life starts at conception mm -hmm. and that it would be a crime to destroy a, an egg that was fertilized in in vitro fertilization but senator a frozen egg d d despite all of this uh it is entirely possible that she scares for a moment get your thoughts on uh, some of the comments the president made last night particularly about ilhan omer a u.s citizen who actually happens to be both an immigrant and a member of congress watch this what what is going on with Omar? I've been reading these reports for two years about how corrupt and crooked she is. How the hell that she tells us how to run our country. Can you believe it? You probably heard him there say our country. You served on the president's National Hispanic Advisory Council. You know what people go through to become citizens in this country. Do you honestly think they should be treated as less American for it and not be considered part of this country? Uh, I, listen, I don't believe Ilhan Omar is less than American, assuming that her naturalization was legitimate. And there's a lot of questions about that. She has to answer a lot of questions, hold both on, about her on. own you life. Say, you're, as, you're, you're saying her naturalization is not legitimate? 
No, I'm saying I don't know, but I'm saying there are a lot of questions which she has yet to answer uh, for, for about marriages, uh, about documents. And, and she certainly needs to answer a lot of questions about these recent revelations in the Project Veritas videotapes about vote stealing effectively uh, and vote rigging in her district, apparently at her behest. I say apparently because we don't know that. Uh, but look, here's the point. We are pro-immigrant. Uh, I'm the son of an immigrant. So is Donald Trump, by the way. A lot of people don't know that. We believe in legal immigration and legal immigration is a treasure to this country. But illegal migration is a scourge to this country. And that's what we have been very clear about uh, during this entire presidency and during this campaign. You know, there's no evidence that she illegally immigrated here when she came into this country. You're just throwing that out there without I any said, evidence. I, I, I'm not. I, I didn't say evidence. I said questions. OK, let's talk a bit about some of the statements you've been making, because they are a little bit questionable and certainly the campaign as well. We're just learning from the Facebook political ad library. The Trump campaign spent tens of thousands of dollars to post edited photos to Facebook with Biden wearing an AirPod uh, in his ears, asking who's in Joe's ear. The Biden team said this is entirely made up, and yet your comments were used to misinform millions of people on Fox News before the debate. Watch this. Look, they agreed to the ear inspection. It's simple. It would have been by a third party, not by us. Um, and, and then they went back on it. Why? I don't know. I mean, they'll have to explain that. Again, the Biden campaign said this is false and it's ridiculous. I'm giving you a chance now. Do you apologize for misleading millions of people about making that false no, statement? I, I, I didn't mislead anybody. So you're still. Hold on. Statement. Let me ask you this. Let's give me your go, proof. Give, give me your proof that it's false. Well, no, no, that's not how it works. You don't make a false statement and say, prove to me that it's not false. I'm asking you a simple no, statement. I didn't make a your false campaign, statement. That, no, no. Hold I'm on, attacking hold on, the hold premise on. of your question. Hold on. Your campaign put out a statement saying that there was an agreement that Biden wouldn't agree to an inspection of an earpiece. Who made that agreement? The where agreement is, was made between the campaigns. Where? Provide the evidence. Who told I, you? Where Who told you? I don't know. Who told I you? I don't know. You don't know? You don't our know. Campaign, so you're our, our campaign... No, 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 no. Hold on. I don't know where the agreement was made. No, I'm I don't care about where it's made. I'm saying who made it. Who made it? Who in our, your campaign our, made that agreement? Our, our campaign negotiating team of who? attorneys who? Uh, in who? conjunction with the name. Biden campaign. And, and Give us the, a name so we the, can follow it up. Give I, us a name. It's, who an entire, name? It's, it's an entire team. It's an entire team. You can't give me one name of that. You can't give me a name of one person on your team who made that agreement. It's an entire team of people. But you just called me a liar on national television and you have zero evidence that I'm a liar. You just put out a statement. Your Trump campaign put out a statement saying that Joe Biden agreed to an earpiece inspection before the debate. All I'm asking you, where did you get that information from internally from with your campaign? Give me a name. You're buying ads. You're doctoring photos of putting earpieces in the candidate's ear. That's a fake advertisement. I'm asking you, where are you getting uh, that information from? Where, Look, why first, are you putting a false ad, ad on there? First, regarding the ad, I have not seen. This is the first time I've seen that, so I can't comment on it. If you if you had apprised me that we were going to discuss this, I would have been briefed on that. It's there. And it's ready there to on your it. screen. I, tens of thousands okay, of dollars. Well, I'm, in frankly, swing I'm not going to take your word for it, Amen, and I'm not going to take MSNBC's word for it. I don't know that if what you're presenting the screen is Facebook. accurate. Okay, well, I don't know that, and it's I don't the Trump know the ad library. Of it, okay, it's the Facebook ad okay, well, library. I don't sir. know that, and I, you know what? I, I'm not willing to take your word for it, quite frankly. Uh, so I, I'd be happy don't to go take look my into word that for it and then come back to you. You're you're trying to engage in a gotcha moment. You want me to say something about an ad when I had no idea? I've never seen the ad. I don't even know if it's our ad. No, gotcha, sir. You're raising questions about a sitting member of Congress, and, and I'm you asking you questions about what your campaign is doing. I'll give you a chance to go back, prepare for this interview next time with what your campaign is doing. No, 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 I'm very prepared for this interview. I'm very involved. prepared for this interview. Bring the you, you, you don't told even me know that we were going to talk about you don't the economy even know the names of the and election who made an integrity. 
You don't even know the names of the I, people look, in your campaign I, who actually, made an agreement. Actually, I do know the names. I now do know you the remember names, the names? press people. So, no, no, I said it's an entire team. No, and you I know said their names. No, and I'm not, and I you, I'm not I said, going to give you their names so that you can Steve, that's not what you said. Saying, Steve, that's not what you said. I asked you, who is it? I you said, said you don't know. You said you don't know who on the team. You no, said I it was said an entire team. Okay. We're going to have to I leave it at that. Team. Unfortunately, we didn't know, get a lot of information, individual Steve, person. I apologize. I'll give you a chance to get... I don't know which individual person on that team. No worries. We'll give you a chance to maybe get team. that information. When you find out who from your team made that agreement and the specific agreement, please bring the documents, the emails, the agreement, anything you can provide to substantiate the claim that you made that was used to misinform millions of people in this country. No, Steve it was Cortez, not used to misinform. Thank you so much for your time. Again, I really appreciate no, your time. No, I'm not going to allow you to call me a liar on TV and not Thank let you me so much for your time. I appreciate it. We want to move on I did not misinform Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Much. Appreciate your time. Uh, I'd like to now bring in Kate. Really, what it comes down to, these people hate the president so mad so much. They're going to lie, steal, cheat, do whatever the fuck they want. They're not covering anything right now about the left's fucking val- ballot harvesting and mail in or any of that shit. And they're laying down some sweet, sweet bullshit. So as we segue into our violence, which we'll start with Michelle Obama, here is Brinkley. Biden is a real human being. That's their basic premise. They don't talk about packing courts, opening the border, making everybody legal, having two more states, getting rid of the filibuster, taking your guns, having national gun license. None of this crazy shit. The theory is it's just about he's a good person. Trump, bad person. That's all he needs for qualifications. A man that can't Put two sentences together with a thesaurus and a dictionary and thinks that black people stocked his shelf. Yeah. After testing negative earlier today, Joe Biden spoke in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He wished the president and the first lady well. Here it is. I would like to start by acknowledging, which I'm sure all of you do as well, Sending my prayers for the health and safety of the First Lady and President, uh, the President of the United States after they tested positive for COVID-19. My wife Jill and I prayed that they'll make a quick and full recovery. This is not a matter of politics. It's a bracing reminder to all of us that we have to take this virus seriously. It's not going away automatically. It is the kind of tone that we have come to expect when the nation is feeling challenged and uh, uncertain. Douglas. Absolutely, Don. You know, what a class act Joe Biden was today, refusing to politicize what had happened. Just think back in 2016, Don, when Hillary Clinton, the Democratic nominee, stumbled after a fundraiser in New York and felt faint and went into the back of a limo. Donald Trump would mock that she was feeling faint and sick, that she was a weak character, um, just ridiculed her one or two days of illness um, to nobody's end. And here you see Joe Biden showing you what a real man does, what a real human being does. And that's just say I'm uh, uh, mocking Donald Trump right now is unfair. And we're all going to pull with him together. But we do also have to be reminded that we've got to wear masks and social distance. We are in the thick of this pandemic. We don't have to go back to 2016. We can look to even now where he makes fun uh, of the former vice president, uh, you know, saying that he has lost a step and that and many on the right wing media saying, you know, that he is um, 
is suffering from some sort of cognitive, you know, decline, um, still making fun. But yet, I wonder how they would feel about people making fun of this president right now. Guess what? I haven't seen any official um, politician do it. I've heard everyone say we wish the first lady and the president well, as they should be saying. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. While the media calls it peaceful, we call it the violent left. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protest is supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, he kills. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized, right to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Yeah. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. The country is right wing. Most of them radicalized right to the right. All punches are not equal morally. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans, lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs. Whipping up violence and intimidation, and they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So, what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist, but that doesn't mean it won't work. Because this is a, a difficult time, a confusing time. And when people hear these lies and crazy conspiracies repeated over and over and over again, they don't know what to think. With everything going on in their lives, they don't have time to fact check falsehoods being spread throughout the internet. And even reasonable people might get scared. And the one thing this president is really, really good at is using fear and confusion and spreading lies to win. If you were awake this summer, conscious at all, and watched videos from Kenosha or Minneapolis or Portland or Seattle, you might have formed the impression that the rioters you saw on the street were from the left, the ones with BLM tattoos on their necks all the Joe Biden voters out there. But Michelle Obama wants you to know, don't believe your lying eyes. The former first lady released a 24 minute video today telling you if you came to the conclusion the left was rioting, you're racist. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. 
So what the president is doing is once again, patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. Yeah, it's racist. Here in Martha's Vineyard, our $12 million house, things are fine. Edgartown's not on fire. Oak Bluff seems totally peaceful. Soul Cycle's open. Like, what's the problem? You'll notice if you watch the video, and you should, that Michelle Obama does not condemn the violence. She just pretends it didn't really happen. So what is going on in our country, according to Michelle Obama? Well, apparently, gangs of white supremacists are on the loose. Imagine how it feels to wake up every day and do your very best to uphold the values that this country claims to hold dear. Truth, honor, decency, only to have those efforts met by scorn, not just by your fellow citizens, but by a sitting president. To walk around your own country scared that someone's unjustified fear of you could put you in harm's way. A racial slur from a passing car. A job promotion that never comes. A routine traffic stop gone wrong. Maybe a knee to the neck. Why do left-wing rich ladies get so breathy when they make political videos? And why are they all so angry? Why are the rich ladies so angry? Who's oppressing all the millionaires? Someone is. Candace Owens may know the answer. She's the author of Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. She joins us tonight. Candace, thanks so much for coming on. I noticed there are a lot of oppressed and angry rich ladies out there. Who's oppressing them? They, I cannot answer that question for you, unfortunately. But what I can say is that uh, Michelle Obama today, she destroyed whatever good was left uh, of Obama's legacy, Barack Obama's legacy today with this video. Uh, it's breathtaking because it's so polar opposite from the Barack Obama that we saw when he was running for election in 2008. Right. And I remember... I remember seeing that Barack Obama, a Barack Obama who was asked, uh, baited once to say, if you do not win this election, Senator, uh, do you think it's because America isn't ready? The implication being that America was not ready yet for a I black president. I remember that. I remember when right? he was asked that. Yes. And do you remember what he said, Tucker? He yes. said, you know what? If I don't win, no. It's because I failed to deliver a vi deliver on a vision and a promise that Americans could believe in. It was an incredibly courageous yes, response it was. I that I that. believe won him the election because he believed in America. And he basically said to Americans that day, even if I don't win, I still believe in America. It's not because of the color of my skin. Michelle Obama did the exact opposite. She looked at America in a 25-minute video and she said to Americans, if you don't vote the way that I tell you to vote, it's because you're backwards. It's because you're wrong. It's because this country is inherently wrong and racist. I can think of no, no greater way to completely destroy everything that Barack Obama accomplished in 2008. And it's actually quite sad. What do you, it's, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I hadn't thought of that. I think it's a really smart point. I wonder why they're doing it. So Biden's way ahead in the polls. I'm just being honest. He is. He's more ahead than Hillary was in 2016. So uh, on some level, you think, well, they probably don't need to do this. Why is she? She clearly means it or she wouldn't do it. Why do you think she's doing it? You know, I really have always thought that the Obamas, unfortunately, don't have much control over their own life and their own narrative. You know, they took a lot of money to get into the White House, owe a lot of people favors. And I, I really view them as DNC operatives at this point. And, yeah. and it's sad to see because they, they really could have used this moment to bring the country together. Yes. And I think Barack Obama definitely tried that in his COVID-19 messaging. But Michelle Obama has gone an entirely different route. And quite frankly, she's really bad at acting. This was theatrical. No, it was cringeworthy and it was uncomfortable to watch. That is, I, I completely agree. 
This, of all moments, is a moment where you would like someone to say, let's just put down our differences, here are the things that we have in common, let's focus on them. And what a shame that they're not doing this. She has a lot of authority, actually. She's a very popular person, not with me, but with most people, she's very popular. Was she done that? You know, I actually think this was really her basket of deplorables moment, and I think this is going to have the exact opposite desired effect. You can't just keep telling Americans that they're backwards and that they're wrong. These are the Americans, Michelle, if you're watching tonight. These are the Americans that voted your husband into office twice. America is not a racist country. Do we have pockets of racism? Sure. Um, but that is not the interpretation of our country as a whole. That's right. Candace Owens, every time you're on, you say something I hadn't thought of that I appreciate. So thank you. I don't understand why they roll her out. Yes, amongst liberals, they love that lady, but nobody else does. Secondly, she's the woman that said she was only proud of America when a black man was in charge of it. And by her simple showing up as a millionaire, her and her husband disproved the whole systemic racism. If we had systemic racism, we never would have had a white president or black president. Ever. You would never, ever, 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 ever have had a black president, you fucking jackasses. Noah Pollock. Look, only a tiny fraction of people's Ford Theater that night fired a gun. It was overwhelmingly peaceful evening. They're still trying to flip the script. It worked for Russia. They just made a lie up and it worked. It's still an amazing concept that, you know, you can just make shit up. It doesn't matter if it's true when you own. I mean, it is the really the whole Russia thing is a total validation of everything I've said on my show. Everything. They own every form of media from social to nightly news. They censor. They say whatever the fuck they want. Nobody holds anybody accountable. You never hear the fucking D behind the name. It is a fucking shit show. Article to start disproving their tomfoolery. Joe Biden once again tackles those armed militias and white supremacist group menacing our society. Another article. New York Times, confrontational tactics of some protesters against radical injustice worry others who fear an aggressive approach will antagonize people who may be receptive to their message or play into conservative critique of the largely nonviolent protest. Mr. Terrence Moses was initially not sure what the protesters were upset about, but as he got closer, he saw it. His neighbors had an American flag. We covered it. Here's Joe Biden. Let me see if it'll split, spin up. I believe in law and order. I've never supported defunding the police, but I also believe injustice is real. It's a product of a history that goes back 400 years. The moment when black men, women, and children first were brought here in chains. I do not believe... Which, by the way, he said if you didn't vote for Obama... Sorry for yelling. You're going back and change. We have to choose between law and order and racial justice in America. We can't have both. This is a nation strong enough to both honestly face systemic racism and strong enough to provide safe streets for our families and small businesses that too often bear the brunt of this looting and burning. 
We have no need for armed militias roaming America's streets. Uh, that's it. I ain't gonna let him have any more hard time. Uh, Cataluna Mama, Catahoula Mama. But we should be totally cool with protesters harassing citizens, beating them senseless, looting and burning businesses. Seattle, Portland, Chicago. Gaslight alert. I'm so sick of this crap. Whole narrative was with absolutely no basis in truth. It's maddening. He is living in an alternative reality. And it's so true. Here is a soundbite from Matt or Sean in Oregon. I'm sorry, guys. I can't remember which one. Of a Portland cop speaking out about BLM Antifa racism. And Portland Antifa. This was a this is all over the place. Our media doesn't play it. It won't fit the narrative. This is what they say about fucking Wheeler, a guy who's given up a city hall and moved instead of enforcing the law and saying, No, you can't come to my house and ass rape my dog. And they don't even know their they don't even know the history. They don't know what they're saying coming from someone who graduated from PSU with a history degree, it's, it's, it's actually frightening on how, you know, they say if you don't know your history, you repeat it, and watching people do that to other people just because of what they decide to do with their life. Um, what I, are some of those interactions that you're... So a lot of times someone of color, black, Hispanic, Asian, come up to the fence and directly want to talk to me. Hey, what do you think about George Floyd? What do you think about what happened about this? I go up to the fence. Someone white comes up. F the police. Don't talk to him. That was the most bizarre thing because I could I could see it I could see it coming. I even had a young African American girl uh, tell me why is it you guys aren't talking to us? I said honestly, this is now the twenty I think it was twenty third day of doing it. Every time I try to have a conversation with someone that looks like me, someone white comes up and blocks them and tells them not to talk. And then right when I said that, this white girl popped right in front of her. She said, he just said that was going to happen. I said, told you. I told you. She, and she looked at the girl and said, why did you do that? And I, 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 straight up, I said, you know, I've been called the N-word. She's been called the N-word. Why are you talking to me this way? Why do you feel that she can't speak for herself to me? Why is it that you feel... You need to speak for her when we're having a conversation. And she couldn't answer my question. All she said was, someone told me to do it. So that, that has been a very strange thing to watch. I'm cool with you know people feeling like they want to help a movement, but then when you go to a gentrified community, and the first, one of the first pictures I saw that of one of the businesses that was looted was a, a black-owned business. I'm like, they, they, they're not even from here. They don't even know what they're even doing. So that, to me, was very angering, watching you know a business that was looted, and that business is across the street from a Safeway where, before my father became a police officer here in Portland, he worked security at that Safeway. Talk about history and roots. And these folks don't even know what they're even doing. And and so it's divisive, it's 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 hurting the community. And I mean I saw that press conference. Clearly the community was not happy with that. And they even asked for the violence to stop. And they still are coming out and doing these having these violent 
interactions with other citizens, the police, and at, at some point you just go, what what is what is the end goal? You know, bloody bloody Sunday, Selma. Those folks marched because they want the right to vote, and they literally legitimately were beaten in the street for civil rights to, to have rights that they were told they couldn't have because they were not even human. Uh, and, and then having folks scream and yell that they're being peaceful protests, but you're not peaceful because it is violent. And and I actually had a cousin who went to one of the marches and he left. And he said, this has turned into something else. This is weird. So having an African-American male marching and then leaving, like I said, it, it's been very eye-opening. Uh, but I did have great conversations. I, I met two young brothers who were literally after I had taken an explosive, I had been hit with a full beer can, uh, a rock in my chest, frozen water bottle had hit me. Um, I met two young brothers that were out cleaning up the street. They had two garbage bags, and they were just running and cleaning up. And uh, a few of us from my team, we went over, and we had to shake their hands. I was, I was so moved by them. And so impressed, and they said, "You know, their words. We're from here. This is our this is our city. Why well, I don't understand why people are coming here and destroying it. And we want to show that you know this. We we want to clean it up. And I, I was absolutely. I I we 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 took we, we let them take a picture with us. Um, I didn't take a picture. They took. They had their camera and they had a picture taken. But I like I said, I, I was just so moved by that. So there's been highs and lows. Yeah. Um, I know you and I were talking the other day and you were sharing just some of the the hateful and racist things that you and other officers of color have been subject to. And, I mean, I was just floored. Um, but I think that's some of the stuff that people haven't been seeing or hearing. And we've worked very hard within our agency to try and recruit and retain um, a diverse population of officers. Um, can you share a little bit about that experience? It, it says something when you're at a Black Lives Matter protest, you have more minorities on the police side than you have in a violent crowd, and you have white people screaming at black officers, you have the biggest nose I've ever seen. And you you hear these things, and you go, "Where are these? Are these people gonna? Are they gonna say something to this person?" No. So, and that's just one example. Um, having people tell you, you know, what to do with your life, that you need to quit your job, that you need to, you know, you're hurting your community, but they're not even part of the community. And and once again, you you as a privileged white person telling someone of color what to do with their life well, and you uh, absolutely and, and you don't even know what I've dealt with what these white officers that you're screaming at you don't know them you don't know anything about them and there are racist people out in the world absolutely there are bad cops out there in the world we don't associate with those people they make us all look bad that's not something that I stand for that's not something that my coworkers stand for, and you know I, I, I've I've been called you know, on calls the N word. I don't know I can't even count in in the the time that I have been a police officer. 
um, and having white officers jump in and defend me and me telling me, you know, just ignore it, and them being absolutely uh, shocked and you you really get you and, and they and they get to see it and and so like I said when you're standing on the line and and, and they're getting called those names and they're being accused of of being racist when though you've seen those officers um, helping people of color uh, getting blood on them trying to save someone's life that's been shot gang violence domestic violence and you you see them and, and, and they're truly trying to help save someone's life and then they turn around and and are called a racist by people that. Have, have never seen anything like that. That have never had to put themselves out there. It's it's just it's it's real. It's disgusting. My name is Jeff Singer. The mask has nothing to do with hiding my identity. I'm taking away my individuality. I represent a mass of humanity who are tired, hungry, poor, and huddling from tyrants like you, Mayor Wheeler. Yeah. I am. I am. I am so done coming here and using big words. I haven't even done it that many times, but I am done. I am done watching you look at me with that look. You're talking about sanctuary? We know it is a pointless term. It means not a goddamn thing. I have been up all night. Literally, I have not slept. Stewing over the fucking fact that one of your pigs shot a boy point blank range with a fucking assault rifle, Wheeler. This is out of control. It's ridiculous. It's over. Sanctuary? What sanctuary? Sanctuary from the rivers of fucking blood running around goddamn streets? Sanctuary from the fucking cold? It's over. There's no more asking you for a goddamn Fuck thing. You, Fuck, Fuck you, you. Fuck you, Fuck you, you, are, you are a cap. Shit, just like and you may all interrupt my testimony as much as you like. As much as you like. Because your righteous indignation fills me with a fire, comrades. I will tell you what, Wheeler. What do you think this is? It's a fucking gas mask. My own capital, my own labor. I had to put into this, protect myself from your violent and oppressive paramilitary organization that yeah. only thirsts for blood. You are a capitalist, a treasurer, a statist, a tyrant. You are nothing to me. You are just scum. This is nothing about sanctuary. This is a chew-out to let you know. There are, this is little Beirut, Mayor Wheeler. This is the city of roses, and it has thorns. They're standing behind me. There's people getting real fucking done with fucking around with your cops in the street. You are laying the fucking seeds for an insurrection on the record, Jeff Singer. It is not a threat. It is a fact, and it's a fact. You are building yeah. towards something that's going to blow. Go fuck yourself, you fucking pig. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. A lot of white supremacists there. Oh, there isn't, is there? Hmm. Narrative, narrative, narrative. And the NGO. Portland tonight, BLM Antifa rioters surround officer pulled over a driver. The driver flees, and when the officer tries to follow him, rioters stand in front of his motorcycle. One gets hit. Here's the sound bite. Yeah, one of them jumped right in front of the cop. It's fucking... Watch what happens when BLM Antifa rioters in Portland jumped in front of an officer on a motorcycle. Here's a different angle. 
Literally, that is obstruction of justice. The world. Antifa is just an idea. Biden. Officers shouldn't be frustrated after all. Antifa is just an idea, not an organization. The idea got run over. (laughs) Another person. Zero pity. Cop was doing his job. They tried to stop him. Failed. And got one of their own injured. And it was wasted effort on their part. Vehicle had a license plate. So at best they delayed a ticket arrest and made things worse. Because technically he's now fucked. Because guess what? He literally fleed the scene. Once again lefties. If you don't fucking want people to go to jail. Legislate. Change the fucking laws. Other. White supremacists. Huge rally in D.C. to show support for Trump after COVID. BLM clash at walkaway event. Now, this is Catherine Heritage from CBS. If real Donald Trump looks out his window at Walter Reed, you see the people. The scene outside Walter Reed. The scene outside Walter Reed. And they couldn't have that. They couldn't have it, so they came and started shit. Which, once again, our media didn't cover. Because why should we cover that shit? BLM fucking with peaceful protesters. Actual peaceful protesters. People that did nothing. The walk away is walk away from the Democratic fucking establishment. Another look at a big crowd at the walk away. I fucking hate. I'm doing my podcast by links again. And the Blaze is like one of the worst websites. It just keeps fucking doing crazy shit big crowd of trump supporters by washington monument hey y'all don't forget tomorrow saturday we meet at freedom plaza at 11 a.m and march to sylvan theater for our big rally tonight the unsilent majority march on washington dan crenshaw a bunch of people showed up about 30 minutes ago dc police park officer wrestled with blm protesters in today's real walkaway rally multiple arrests have been made U.S. Park Service arrested Black Lives Matter protesters, assaulted officers. Listen to this. This is an idea. Yeah, that idea just threw a punch at a cop. Black Lives Matter D.C. Every member of our media lives on Twitter. You think this flyer even got even mentioned in a newsroom? If you're protesting the mega and white supremacists downtown in D.C. right now, most of them are still maskless. Keep your mask on. Pass out extra to your comrades. Record and take pics of the police, not protesters, or your comrades. Blur faces. Protest digital security guide. The problem is, this is like the 95th fucking time I've covered this on the show. It has been on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSDNC, and PBS, WAPO, New York Times, zero. Encrypt your phone or leave it at home. Cops use cell site simulators. If possible, use a burner phone. Use an encrypted message app. If you bring your own phone, enable full disk encryption. Disable face and touch. Turn off location. Scrub faces from pictures. Why is that important? The state wants all expression of dissent against it quelled by any and all means necessary. They routinely use their technology to arrest, charge anyone around them, regardless of what they're doing or not doing, to make people afraid to 
protest. They protested a multiracial organization that encourages we're walking away from the lies, the false narratives, the fake news and race baiting, the victim narrative, the violence, the vandalism, the vitriol. We're walking away from a party driven by hate. We're walking towards patriotism and a new unified America. We are the future. That sounds like an idea. Oh, but that idea is bad. And in his little screed there, some skinny jean chai latte motherfucker living in his motherfucking basement, the state. Oh, really? Is that state Google? Facebook? Twitter? Instagram? YouTube? ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, CNN, MSDNC, WAPO, New York Times, LA Times, Boston Globe, nobody reporting anything? Is that what you're talking about? Because that state lied to us about Russia, phone calls, COVID. They've lied about everything. But that's that's okay, right? That's good lies? Is that what we're saying? The good lies. The good lies are good lies. How about the lie of omission? Which is constant. Everything I just talked about is omission by not reporting you're lying. Media ignore white police shooting deaths even when there's video. Here's the video. A Texas cop is facing criminal charges after responding to a call about an unconscious woman. Officials say as he approached the scene, an off-leash dog approached him. He fired at the dog. The prosecutors say he barely hit the dog and killed the woman. Amber Cagliano has more, and we should warn you, this video may be intense for some viewers. It's the horrifying moment a rookie cop shoots at a dog and kills a woman. Are you okay? Is that your dog? Can you get a... Get back! Those were Maggie Brooks's final words. The mom of three died from a chest wound. Her dog, Marilyn, was only grazed. The tragedy unfolded in Arlington, Texas, when the cop on street patrol for just a month responded to a 911 call about an unconscious woman. Hello? In fact, Maggie was lying on a blanket in the shade with her dog. That's when Marilyn came charging. Are you okay? Is that your dog? Can you get get back? He went directly to deadly force because he was scared, untrained, and he panicked. He fired three times, and my daughter was in the direct line of fire. Maggie's father, Troy Brooks, is a fire department captain. He was actually on his way to the scene when he was told the shooting victim was his daughter. The entire postal service carries uh, pepper spray. Every runner, bicyclist, jogger, kid walking home from school, We've all encountered a dog charging at us, and nobody else winds up dead. He says Marilyn was just a puppy, a part Labrador mix who is not vicious in any way. Maggie's mother and sister Sarah are also speaking out today. To me, her dog was clearly doing everything that she was supposed to do, which was protect her. The rookie cop, 25-year-old Ravi Singh, has resigned from the force. Now he's been indicted for criminally negligent homicide, although Maggie's family wanted him to face a more serious charge of manslaughter. So you know it's a narrative when they won't 
cover things like that. I mean, that fits everything they're talking about. They talk about that all cops are bad, fucking blacks are hunted down and shot in the fucking street all the time, blah, blah, blah. But when a cop fucks up and shoots a white person or a white Latino, okay, let's put it this way. Unless you have dark melanin or you consider yourself African-American sometimes, yeah, that doesn't count. It's like one of my favorite things to argue with liberals. The whole Michael Brown debacle horse fucking shit happened the same week in a dude high on fucking meth, but fucking naked was shot and killed. That never made the news. They never cover that. It's only when they can push their fucking narrative. This next one, I was kind of surprised that it didn't make the news because it's so narrative driven. But just like the McCloskeys who got charged for the Castle Doctrine, this poor bastard screwed. Story goes, a motorist who was caught on video pulling a gun on protesters at downtown Savannah over the weekend was charged with aggravated assault. He's a soldier. Police told the uh, station a few dozen protesters angry about the Breonna Taylor case were lying down at an intersection and blocking traffic around 5.30 p.m. A BLM protester engaged in a peaceful demonstration. Video shows a dark pickup truck appearing to begin driving around the protesters, and then police told Wasab the driver tossed a smoke grenade at the group. A protester immediately got up and began to scatter, but seconds later, a few of them began kicking and throwing shit at the truck, so the dude jumped out and pointed a gun and cleared the fucking crowd. Got in trouble because he left his car. That's why he's in trouble. That didn't make national news. Neither did this. Because this is like the 30th of a teacher kicking a fucking kid out of a class for expressing their constitutional right of free speech. Well, on Friday, the day that Donald Trump announced he had the coronavirus, a middle school teacher in Tacoma, Washington, a beautiful place that used to be pretty reasonable, asked his students a question. The teacher is a man called Brendan Stanton, wanted to know whom they admired. A 10-year-old responded in the chat room, quote, Donald Trump. Brendan Stanton immediately kicked the kid out of the virtual class. Here's what happened. The example that was shared in the chat, which I went ahead and erased for us, uh, was not appropriate, right? Especially as um, that individual has created so much division and hatred between people and specifically um, spoken hatred to many different individuals, okay? Um, so I do apologize for um, kicking out of the conference. Again, um, that individual has spoken um, hate to many individuals and I don't think is um, an appropriate example for a role model. Um, we should be admired. So somebody expresses a view that you disagree with and you call it hate and then attack the kid, a 10-year-old boy. The boy's mother asked Stanton about this. He tried to deny it happened. The teacher responded, quote, I try to keep politics out of the classroom. Liar. 
So how much propaganda like this is going on in our classrooms that we don't see? Jason Rance is a Seattle radio show host. We're always happy to have him. Jason, it's hard to believe, I mean, that's America, where you're supposed to have freedom of speech. It's supposed to be a free country. What happened exactly? What happens in Tacoma is happening all across the country. This isn't happening in a bubble. And right now, I think a lot of people are learning about it because of the remote learning situation. In this yeah. case, the parent happened to be there and decided to film it, thankfully. And, of course, when she called the professor or the, the middle school teacher out over the phone, as you said, he denied it. But then she said, actually, I've got it on video. And then all of a sudden, the conversation started to change. We have so many teachers out there right now who, instead of teaching how to think, they're teaching kids what to think. And parents need to get engaged so they can push back at this that's propaganda. Right. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, these are children. These are people who can't even vote. I mean, they're kids. You're not supposed to do this to kids. Speaking of fascism, why do parents put up with this? Well, for the longest time, they put up with it because they don't really know. They didn't know what well, was going on. But when, yeah, when your kid is right now on their laptop or in the computer in, in the living room and they're doing this, and all of a sudden you hear in the back of the, the room, like, what did that teacher just say? There's not just anti-Trump nonsense going on, but it's anti-police. And I've seen a lot of that, again, all across the country. And parents are starting to wake up and realize what's happening in these classrooms. It's a reminder that when they go back to class, make sure you're talking with your kids daily, which you should be doing anyway, but ask them about their day and ask them what they're being taught. My experience has been when teachers hear from these parents or when they contact the principal, for the most part, there's some movement. In this case, of course, the school just has not responded to any of our inquiries. I said that so judgmentally. Why do parents put up this? But I think about it. I mean, I've got children, and I've certainly put up with a lot of them, yeah. actually, over the years. And that was a huge mistake. Teachers need to know. Most teachers are good people, I think. But they need to know that there's oversight and that there are boundaries. And you're not allowed to torment and propagandize children, I think. Don't you? Yes, set the boundaries quickly, and I think that when you are clear with the expectations coming from these parents, I think the teachers, for the most part, because I agree with you, the vast majority of teachers are good people, yeah. and that is not their intent to propagandize. But even sometimes they don't realize what they're doing, and so right. you got to make sure that they know that you're watching everything that they're doing. And, of well, course, you can exactly have conversations right. about, about issues with kids who are of age, but when a 10-year-old is saying they support Trump, maybe we should encourage more of that. I think that's right. They need to know adults are watching because many of them are not adults. I mean, they, you know, yeah. they're of age, but they're well, they claim to be. They're psychologically and emotionally children, unfortunately. Jason Rance, great to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Tucker. That's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow night. The show that is unapologetically the sworn enemy of lying, pomposity, smugness, and groupthink. Have a best evening with the ones you love. Sean Hannity takes over from New York. All right, Tucker, thank you. Great show, and welcome to Hannity. That kind of shit is so fucking over the top. It's so fucking over the top. That kid is scarred for fucking life. He's fucking 10. But it happens all the time. Background flags, wore a hat, gets suspended. It just doesn't matter to these people. But it's the state, Antifa, you're right. The state. Yes, the state's coming after you. They're monitoring your communications. Yeah. Yeah, they are. 
But what did make the news is this, and understand, it now turns out police can't find any evidence to corroborate the charges. Will ABC catch on to this? Notice how Alex Perez's report doesn't include the word alleged at any time. Now to an ABC News exclusive. The 18-year-old biracial woman who says she was attacked by four men while white men while she was driving. Althea Bernstein says she was set on fire, and Alex Perez joins us with the latest on the investigation. Good morning, Alex. Hey, good morning, George. The 18-year-old says she's studying to be a paramedic, and some of those skills kicked in at the horrifying moment she was attacked. This morning, police in Madison, Wisconsin, are searching for the suspects responsible for this. A young biracial woman suffering second and third degree burns after she says she was set on fire. I haven't really slept and um, I don't really have an appetite. So it's just, I don't want anyone to ever feel like this. 18-year-old Althea Bernstein says she was on her way to her brother's house around 1 a.m. Wednesday morning. She says she was stopped at a red light and listening to music when she heard someone yell the N-word. According to the police report, her driver's side window was down and she heard someone yell out a racial epithet. She looked and saw four men, all white. She says one used a spray bottle to deploy a liquid on her face and neck and then threw a flaming lighter at her, causing the liquid to ignite. She drove forward and patted out the flames. I don't even like remember anything, but your brain still has that flight or fight response that takes care of you. So I made it home. I called my mom. I went to the, I drove myself to the ER. Now, in active and ongoing investigation, Madison's mayor saying, while we are still learning more about the details, current information suggests this may have been a premeditated crime targeted toward people of color, which makes the incident even more disturbing. It's definitely um, a learning opportunity, and I'm very, very hopeful that these men um, sort of see all the responses and that um, they know that they hurt me. Um, and that this is something that's going to affect me for a while. And I really hope that they choose to improve themselves. And authorities say they are reviewing surveillance images from nearby cameras, hoping for any clues that might help them track down the attackers. Cecilia? So disturbing. Okay, Alex, thank you. Well, hey there, GMA fans. Robin Roberts here. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Lots of great stuff here. So go on, click the subscribe button right over, right over here to get more of awesome videos and content from GMA every day, anytime. We thank you for watching, and we'll see you in the morning on GMA. Yeah, but we're just going to keep trying to flip the script because we need the narrative. Here's uh, watch this punk rioter in downtown Los Angeles run away after challenged by LAPD. Bill Milligan, per LS, LASD, Sheriff Department, Department sending mobile field forces downtown LA Code 3 right now to assist LAPD restore order. U.S. This is all Kalen from Scribber. U.S. flag burning. Los Angeles Antifa BLM Black Bloc militants have taken over the intersection of Spring and First. Antifa Black Bloc militants tearing down fencing. Uh, ha- the radicals have begun destroying property. Uh, Tessa Morales, they smashed a bus stop at 2200. A rioter begs LAPD to do it and screams, kill me while in the middle of the street. 
Uh, rise image, a protester challenged an advancing Los Angeles police vehicle. This occurred in front of the International Jewelry Center in DTLA as LAPD responded to the crowd breaking windows. But it's just an idea. But it's just an idea. It's all just an idea. And if you don't think it's an idea, well, you're racist. That's their play. That's always their play. That's that's how they play everything. It, it is almost fucking comical how they flip this script back between you're the racist to cover for the racist fucking candidate. Which brings us to our This Is America. I have changed this to be the worst sound bites, not the last, because there's so many today. I want to start with a COVID one from the UK. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. Yeah, this is America. 
It's my privilege to have been asked to conduct our service today to celebrate the life of Alan Wright. I therefore offer you all a very warm welcome as we unite in love and friendship to... That's a child at a funeral. A son moves his chair next to his mother to comfort her at the funeral of her late husband. A member of the staff says they've been told and asked to separate. It really does highlight the cruel lack of humanity and decency in the way in which we're forced to live our lives today. Buck Sexton, this is the stupidest, cruel, pointless tyranny the lockdowners demand from all of us in the months and years to come, but don't do themselves. Josh Holmes, I expect the mass police were to be on the scene shortly. Simultaneously in the House and Senate, both speakers were speaking at the same time. Mitch McConnell was in a mask. Speaker Pelosi was not. Branson Taylor sums it up. Guess this means Pelosi isn't an adult. Jake Tapper. I'm sure we will see some snarky fucking tweets. Because that's all they have now. Snark. All snark all the time. Rolls eye in Russian. CBS Paula Reed claims anti-mass Russian trolls are harassing her and it goes hilariously wrong. Paula Reed. I sat in close proximity to two massless now COVID positives. White House staffers at last Thursday's briefing. So I'm now working from home and getting regular COVID tests. Noticing a sharp uptick in social media trolling from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. lately. Many of the anti-mass disinformation comments in this tweet started around the same time people in Moscow would be getting up. Working from home and getting tested even here in this a.m. is what responsible adults do when exposed to COVID. But it's much easier for those of us who have access to rapid testing and still get paid when not at work. Tested negative, a White House is warning a briefing. And again today. Now you know how essential workers have been feeling for six months. Why did you suddenly change? Because it shows her without a mask on camera. And the best part of all of this, because they literally are horrible fucking people. She was over six feet apart. The mask was doing nothing from her. But once again, as I started this show, this is the starter campaign for fascism that they want. Michael Beschless, why is a sick president riding an SUV waving to supporters outside Walter Reed? So masks don't work? I'm so confused, somebody says. Chris Hayes, let it out of the bag. The most humane and reasonable way to deal with all these people, if we survive this, is some kind of truth and reconciliation commission. Pete Morris, if Democrats gain power, they're going to turn into communists and put us all in concentration camps? Dems, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. Chris Hayes. Hold my wine spritzer. Fusilowski Spocks. 75 years ago, one country made a plan to deal with these people in Europe. They got rid of 6 million of them. You are literally promoting one of the worst things communism ever created. Will there be camps too? What a nice ministry of truth without putting a few people in 
camps. Yeah. That's the left. That's who these people are. That's who they've all been. And it was on our news every night. We're going to play, well, two of the bad ones. Joy Reid, a guest on our show. Mussolini Trump is sicker than said. Suggests he'll die like Herman Cain. And we'll play MSDNC's Rick Tyler. No sympathy. Night's lead. Only that my prayers go up for President Trump and his wife, the First Lady. That they have a speedy recovery. Yes, you heard that right. Sympathy from me to this president. My wife Jill and I pray that they'll make a quick and full recovery. This is not a matter of politics. It's a bracing reminder to all of us that we have to take this virus seriously. So he's shown real civility, something that uh, this president hasn't uh, shown. But but I don't think, I know in my case, it's not a strategy. That's just who we are. I don't have that kind of sympathy. I wish I did, Rev, that you had. Because I look at this as a drunk driver who injured himself in a wreck and killed the oncoming sober driver. Uh, Donald Trump has injured himself and injured and, and 200,000 people, other drivers, uh, have died uh, due to the coronavirus. So I don't have sympathy for Donald Trump. And while that's being packaged and produced to create a version of Trump who is capable and healthy and strong, that is fooling no one. Because everyone outside of his sycophants on Earth, too, assumes that Trump is probably sicker than he's letting on. And coronavirus isn't just coursing through the 7.5 million Americans, most of whose names you don't know. And it has killed more than 211,000 Americans, all of whom Trump and his party have ignored since March. What Trump hoped to hide during his American Mussolini balcony stunt was that he was clearly having trouble breathing. Just like he wants to hide that he is not in control of the virus or of an election that he is desperate to win. Trump is falling even further behind Joe Biden in battleground states that he needs to win the presidency back. And Trump isn't just desperate. He's clearly afraid. And not just of the virus hurting him, as Vanity Fair's Gabe Sherman reported this weekend. No, he's afraid of you. He's afraid of voters. Lippy, I, I, I reached out to you yesterday. I emailed you yesterday um, just about watching Donald Trump do his Mussolini movement people started noticing that he appeared to be laboring in his breathing. Um, that at one point he put his hand on his diaphragm like he was wincing in pain. He was trying to look like a tough guy, but he looked, quite frankly, like a very sick elderly man with a lot of makeup on. That, that's what he looked like to my eye. Um, and so I want to just direct you just for a moment to a Tim O'Brien tweet. Now, Tim O'Brien is obviously not a doctor, but he just put down a, a timeline that I want love you to comment on. Um, it says here... Herman Cain. He's talking about Herman Cain, a, a Trump ally to the end of his life. He got sick on 624. Uh, he attended a Trump rally with no mask. We don't know if that's where he got it. We should note that. He tested positive on the 2nd of July. Uh, by the 30th of July, he was dead. And in between the 2nd and the 30th, he kept saying he was feeling better. I'm sure at some point, maybe his doctor, I don't know, sent him home, thought he was fine, but he ended up dying. How much danger is Donald Trump in 
a few days. We don't know how many days into his corona. That's just, I mean, the number of Herman Cain from black people, it, it just proves the point I keep saying over and over and over. They may be skin folk, but they ain't kin folk. Then we have our CNN. I'm going to do two, and then I have to play the just most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. C- or sorry, one CBS sends well wishes to Trump. You shot yourself in the foot. And then Jake Tapper takes aim at Trump because he's not an adult like Jake Tapper. 70% or more of the country, according to an ABC poll, say that the president contributed to his own condition, that he didn't take the coronavirus seriously. And they are likely to see this as a problem of his own making because he downplayed the threat. He didn't wear a mask. He didn't follow the basic rules of his own administration. And so if he uh, is responsible for his own condition, then he can hardly be triumphant in return from something he created. You don't get points for standing if you shot yourself in the foot. Yeah, and you know what? The latest poll, two-thirds, that's a good analogy, two-thirds of of Americans think that he's acting irresponsibly with his messaging. There's a danger in this strategy of declaring victory, too, isn't there, John, in, in that if he has uh, a relapse in the next week or so, which doctors say is, is, is can be a real possibility with the coronavirus, that he might have to go back to the hospital. That's right. So that's a personal danger for the president. Uh, it's also when he says, don't fear COVID and, and makes it look as though he's defeated it. Uh, one, it tramples on the feeling of uh, more than 207,000 families in America who've lost loved ones. Secondly, it exacerbates one of the things we know is at the heart of this story, which is that if you have money, means, and power, you can get treated. Or maybe you won't get COVID in the first place, but you're going to be better off than anybody in America who doesn't have the money, means, and power. Many Americans are likely feeling both sympathy and anger today, emotions that don't necessarily mix well. Sympathy for all of those suffering, including President Trump, who remains at Walter Reed Medical Center. But also anger. Because so much, so much of all this pain could have been avoided. So many of us since March have been doing everything we can to preserve the health of not only ourselves and our families, but our communities, our neighbors, you. Social distancing, wearing masks, holding events remotely. Weddings have been canceled. Jobs lost. Children are missing out on in-person education and their ability to see friends It's a real crisis. It's going to leave scars. 208,000 Americans have died. Thousands of Americans have lost loved ones without being able to properly mourn or even say goodbye. But we're in the middle of a once in a century pandemic. Health experts say this is what we need to do in order to get to the other side. Regardless of the sympathy we may feel, we also know the president has been undermining these efforts expressing disdain for health regulations and those who abide by them. Do you remember this? Can you take it up? Because I cannot hear I'll, you. I'll just speak louder, sir. Oh, this, okay, because you want to be politically correct. Go ahead. No, sir, I just want to wear Go the mask. Ahead. Politically correct. The Americans who don't listen to science or medicine, who think masks are too intrusive, who pack bars, who willfully risk spreading the virus, you are making it worse for all of us. You are extending how long this pandemic will last. And it is tragic to say many, if not most of you, are taking your cues from the leader of the free world. Last weekend, 
at an event held both inside and outside, but with no masks required and no distancing, President Trump introduced his Supreme Court nominee. So far, at least eight attendees of that event have tested positive for the virus. Look at Senator Mike Lee at this event. My God, how are future generations going to try to make sense of these images of the Republican leaders of the nation acting like this during a once-in-a-century pandemic with more than 200,000 Americans dead? I wish every one of these leaders, Senator Lee, President Trump, Kellyanne Conway, Chris Christie, I wish you all a full and speedy recovery. But do you not see? It's not just through failed leadership or setting bad examples. You are all now literally risking spreading the virus yourselves. The president and his team have been behaving as if the pandemic is over. This callous indifference to the well-being of the citizens the president swore to protect, it's no longer just theoretical. It's no longer, well, they might get the virus. After finding out Hope Hicks, a top aide with whom the president had been in close contact, after learning she was sick with the virus and actually showing symptoms, the president flew to a fundraiser in New Jersey and mingled. Did anyone in the White House or on the Trump campaign consider at all the housekeepers and bartenders at Bedminster, the naval aviators who flew them there on Air Force One, the young interns or old donors with whom the president came in contact? Anyone? Anyone at all? I wish you all health and recovery and a long life. But we have to note the tragedy here. It is horrible and awful and profound. Sick and in isolation, Mr. President, you have become a symbol of your own failures, failures of recklessness, ignorance, arrogance, the same failures you have been inflicting on the rest of us. Get well, and please, for the rest of us who don't get to go to Walter Reed, get well and get it together. And the worst of the worst is Chris Berman. And it was what CNN was hoping for, Trump going on a balcony, totally by himself, wearing the mask. Wearing the mask when he walked out and then taking the mask off by himself in the open air. And this man had a total fucking meltdown on national TV. This morning, the fact is, denial won't help you. Makeup won't help you. And based on what we've just heard and seen, the president won't help you. Now, masks will help you. But the president made a grand theatrical gesture of whipping his off at his Sunset Boulevard return to the White House. A reckless return to the White House for President Trump. While likely contagious, Trump still removing his mask on the White House balcony to pose for photos in his highly produced homecoming before going inside. The only thing I heard was one of the tweets saying that, you know, don't be so concerned about all this, essentially. There's a lot to be concerned about. 210,000 people have died. The president, in that Sunset Boulevard gesture, whipped his mask off in front of the American people on the nightly news last night. So, as a doctor whose job it is, you know, take it off. Please, don't even put it on the screen. Please take it off. Because that's going to kill people. 
how we behave over the next few months will determine whether we have 270,000 dead Americans by the end of this year or over 400,000 dead Americans. And the president has sent a message to the American people, let's go for the 400,000 number. Put out the message that let's let this thing rip, don't, don't let it interfere with your daily activities, don't be fearful, let's have 400,000 Americans dead. That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. That guy's a journalist. How many times have we seen both Cuomo's other people without masks? I mean, you heard it in the Tucker section in the beginning, literally wanting you in California to wear a mask between bites. And understand, for those new to the show, maybe you stumbled across this or Fran handed to you and said, listen to this Alex Joan wannabe, crazy motherfucker, Trump racist, bastard, sexist, homophobe, transphobe. I wear a mask. Everywhere I go, I wear a mask. I have a wife with a compromised system. And I make sure that I protect her because I love her and I don't want her to get sick but for the love of God and everything holy these are the same people that said that George W. Bush was pushing religion on all of us he was making us all be Christians and they did documentaries about it these are the same people that over and over and over said that we are horrible human beings because we wanted to go after Osama bin Laden. All the conspiracy theories we've had right now in the age of Trump, I mean, literally think about it. All of them. Every single one has it been about fascism, fascism, sorry, fascism, wanting to take over the country, forcing people, removing rights, yet we haven't had any proof of any of it. And every one of the conspiracies they've done have come out to be totally false. The main conspiracy that we dealt with, Russia, is a lie. It was a complete fabrication on the part of Hillary Clinton. We now have proof that the President of the United States of America was briefed on it. He knew it. We have proof that the FBI was part of it. All of this, these are all the same people who are now wanting to totally alter 
the entire country to be kind of socialist. I mean, let's be honest. That's what it's about. Total control. You have no say anymore. We take it away. We make the Senate be the supreme power, pack the courts, make everybody a voter who's illegal so that we never, ever lose power. And they are saying you have to wear masks between bites of food. Same people. That's just fucking insane. If anything, this whole thing with Trump should have proved to millions of Americans who are on the fence. Our media is garbage. They're straight up garbage. They've been out to get a president and really think for two seconds if you're a liberal if you're literally if you're a fucking non partisan what could the president have done if he was allowed to do anything and what would you think if republicans executed a coup on this level during his presidency would you have been okay with that would have you would have you thought that that was all right to be that bad i want everybody to really think of that because what you're about to do is hand the keys to the car to a group of people that led a complete coup for the last three years. That's all they were doing. A coup. And they knew they were doing the coup. And that is scary. It's really scary. I mean, we kind of knew it was bullshit. But to know for sure it is. And then to be sitting here right now. After all of this. And know for sure that it was all made up. What else has been made up? I mean, folks, think about, literally think about COVID from start to finish. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. He wants to stop things. They won't let him stop him. They call him a racist. One month later, they say, oh, he killed everybody. I mean, folks. What else have they lied about? I mean, from my perspective, everything. It has been one long lie. 
They have lied on top of lies and said over and over, it's him. He's the one. He's the socialist. They were crowing for months about all Americans are for the riots in the streets. And then the moment it changed, he is the reason. It's the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys. They are the ones. It's it's just fucking unbelievable. And then you sit here now and watch how they relished and the president of the United States getting COVID. Tried to, they tried to literally squeeze out every angle they possibly could to make it like, see, we told you he's a bad person. Yet we know, we know in our hearts that if, if, it was Barack Hussein Obama, they would literally be saying, who gave Hopes Hicks COVID? Was this an assassination attempt on the President of the United States? Was it? What do we need to do now? We need to have hearings. Remember, these are the same people that built the case for us to go to war. And when they did it, they promptly then decided, oh no, he lied, people died. They wouldn't even let soldiers get money during their attack on George W. Bush. I mean, really think about that. That's why I registered Republican. I'm not a Republican. And they haven't changed. Since they lost an election in 2000, these people have gone crazy. Just fucking crazy non-stop attack on everything about America. They want to alter it completely. I've listed it every show. I won't bore you. If you listen, you know. This is not about the American people. It's not about facts. It is about unadulterated hate of a president anybody who supports that president and opposition I mean that's the scariest part we are based on a system from start to finish that was about everybody has a voice they set it up so that if for some reason a party got all the power 
the opposition party would still have the ability to speak for their people. But no, no, they don't want that anymore. They want total power, you silenced, and as they said a million times and why I named the show Flyover Politic, these motherfuckers want to ensure us little old people in the flyover states have zero input into our country. And that's scary. I want you to look going forward and really think about what they're doing. I say it, and I don't want to sound like a fucking nutball, but folks, this is just fascism starter kit. That's what this was all about. They're testing how far they can push people and make people do things that they wouldn't have done just a short while ago. And it's surprising they've got away with a whole lot. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to send this to your family and friends. Send comments to foppodcast at gmail.com, foppodcast at gmail.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and PocketCast. Remember to go to our Twitter account at FopTonyReed. Our next show will be 11 October, Year of Our Lord 2020. Till then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family. Tune back in on Sunday for another show. And we'll end on the real reason for our violence. The Democratic National Committee. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? Biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. But even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Mm-hmm. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. And that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd.
Sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And part of the challenge we have as a nation is that a significant swath of Americans still support Donald Trump. They support his vision of America, and that is rooted in racism. It is rooted in a desire for power at the expense of everyone who is black and brown. And so what we have in this problem is a, is a, is a spiritual kind of tyranny of the worst impulses, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Meacham said, um, you, know, you know, sort of weaponizing narcissism. That will send a shockwave through this country and Donald Trump may not accept the results, but who gives a shit? because the rest of the country will be forced to. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. I want to take it to the senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.